Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can call our show at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. And go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows all throughout the week. And you can listen to our show, the Sports Loudmouths, every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays. At 9 p.m. And we have a wonderful show, but before we do that, Speedy, how was your New Year's? Well, it was a lot of fun. We had a, I had five out of the six of my immediate family. We had a nice party. We had a lot of different appetizer food, probably like 10 different types. We had three different types of champagne. Got, uh, just really celebrated for a while and watched a lot of the college football, too, which had two fantastic games on that, on, on that New Could Year's Could you believe Eve. TCU yeah. make it to the yeah, championship? That was, that was insane. I, I was shocked. Yeah, that was insane. But, yes, definitely a lot of fun. Uh, we also got to uh, – we also – the next day, I got to see uh, the new Black Panther as well. Which you was saw fantastic. the new Black Panther. Huh? Yes, we, we were fantastic. I definitely want to go check yeah. that out. Uh, I, I did see the new Avatar, which which was uh, great. Nice. I saw it in 4K, wow, by the way, which cool. was fun. It felt yeah. like a roller coaster. Yeah. It was really unique and very different. I, I've done some 4K movies. I forget. I saw a shark movie in 4K, uh, which it felt like I was in the ocean. It was splashing water throughout the movie. So it was interesting. And uh uh, it felt like I was on a roller coaster. But anyways, uh, at 7.30, we'll be talking to Giants two-time Super Bowl champion running back, Brandon Jacobs. For the first uh, guest that we have in the new year, Brandon Jacobs and his five-star recruit son. So we'll have him on the show for the first time. Uh, it will be fun. Uh, at 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to 12-year NFL linebacker Chris Draft. So he'll be joining us as well. So we're going to get into, obviously, DeMar Hamlin. He suffers a scary injury, cardiac arrest. Uh, he stopped breathing for about five minutes, which was is, it's remarkable uh, that he they, they found a pulse and uh, they rushed him to the hospital. And, and some people are saying that he's slowly but surely looking better. So uh, that's what the, uh, the doctors are saying. So uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Giants clinched the number six seed in the NFC. The Jets were eliminated after losing 23-6 to against the Seahawks. Jim Harbaugh says he is likely to take an NFL job this offseason if the offer is good. So uh, Jim Harbaugh might be coming back to the NFL. I, I, I expected this. Everybody expected this. But he's going to make a lot of money. And uh, he is obviously making, I think, 9 or $10 million from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and he was there for uh, a significant amount of time. He went to a title game last year. He was in the Final Four this year, and uh, he couldn't cut against TCU. So I think he wants to 
get back to the NFL and try to win a Super Bowl. Something he couldn't do as a player. <laughs> and he won um, a uh, and he won an unclaimed national championship at Michigan. So let's see if he does a real one this time. Yeah, <laughs> um, Georgia and TCU advance to the national championship game. Ken Rosenthal reports reports uh, he expects Carlos Correa's deal. Uh, to the Mets to be dramatically different than 12 years, $315 million. And we will update the NFL playoff picture, which everybody wants to know. Who's in, who's out, what happens on Sunday. So we'll go over that. I'm sure Speedy has uh, every intricate thought to what could happen uh, moving forward in the playoff picture. If it even is this Sunday, we'll see. Well, what are you talking about? They're not going to have games on Sunday? They, they might have to delay it. We'll see. With Why? The, with the, if DeMar Hamlin, like the, the, the games, they might have, the NFLPA has been discussing it. So, so Really? We'll yeah. They're, They're not might... going to have games this weekend because DeMar They're, Hamlin? They were thinking about pushing it back a week. It's not confirmed yet, but we'll see. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I understand. I, and by the way, I, I want to give a shout-out to DeMar Hamlin's family. Um, I couldn't imagine what they were feeling, what they were watching when he completely fell over and, and his heart stopped beating. Yep. So I, I couldn't imagine what his mom was feeling, his father was feeling, his brothers, his sisters, his aunts, his uncles. So a horrible thing to watch. It really was. It was really sad. And and that's that's the thing about football. It is a dangerous sport. I don't know if anybody watched the movie Concussions. And we've we've spoken to a lot of ex-NFL players about CTE and brain trauma. And at first, I thought it was a brain injury. I thought it was a head injury by the way he hit. But after watching the slow motion while he was laying and he was on the floor and he was on the field, I thought after watching it through or three times, it had to be something cardiac-wise because it, it didn't look like he collided head-to-head. It looked like it was his body. So uh, it, it, I don't know exactly how this happened, but it, it's scary when you when you're at, when you watch the game of football. It is a, an abusive sport. We watch we watch hockey. It's very abusive. You watch these guys skating 60, 70 miles per hour on the ice, and they're hitting into players with boards that don't even move. And I know because I played. Yeah. I was a I was a big prospect, and I know what it's like when you're hitting somebody, and and it, it, it's not. When you're hitting somebody on a, a football field, you're gonna get. It's going to give. When you're hitting somebody against the boards, the boards don't really give. It's 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 like a wall. But nevertheless, football is such a dangerous sport. You put your bodies on the line, your legs, your knees, your heart, your brain. Everything is on the line every single week, week by week. And Demar Hamlin, a, a guy that has had no cardiac problems in his past i mean everything that i've read he was healthy they do tests and physicals every single year and by the way jeff says no one skates 60 miles per hour horrible take well guess what jeff that is wrong that is wrong because maybe they're not skating 60 miles per hour like that but at foot speed 60 what, what who, who who skated around the ice last year was it Connor mcdavid it was like 10 seconds it was Cal McCarr. Cal McCarr was yeah. like nine and a half seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. That was – you're going to tell me around the ice you're not going close to 60 miles per hour? Yeah, okay. Okay, Jeff. Like, you know. And by the way, Jeff, I would love to play you on on the ice. Any day you want. I'm out of shape, and I can skate around you with my eyes closed. So I don't even want to hear it from you because you you – as far as collegiate or any – Type of hockey that you played? What did you play? High school hockey? 
What do you play, junior two, junior three hockey? I played junior A hockey. I was a top prospect. You weren't. So don't tell me how hockey players and how fast hockey players go. So that, that's it. And you're saying, oh, well, 22 miles per hour. That's how fast humans can run. Well, guess what? On skates, double, triple it. Anyways, I, I don't want to get into an argument with Snug and and Jeff. This is not about the show. They're not about the show. They're just fans that annoy the hell out of people. Damar Hamlin is a young kid. He's 24 years old. There has not been any background of cardiac problems in his past in, in college, high school. When you look at the game, and, and, and the game of football, it is dangerous. And, and the NFL is trying to fix that. They're trying to work with the helmet situations, as they do in practice, as you watched on Hard Knocks. They're wearing these soft helmet you know, pads on top of the helmets, which protect their heads. But we have seen basketball players collapse. High school, college basketball players collapse. They didn't know they had heart problems. They never, and then all of a sudden collapse, they find they had, they had an enlarged heart or uh, they had cardiac problems like a delta wave or a different electro, delta electrical wave going in and out, you know, from different canals of their heart. When you watch something like that on national TV, it scares you. If you're a parent that actually has your kids playing the game of football, And watching somebody like that, a professional football player, a pretty good safety in the NFL, falling over and absolutely his heart stops beating, it's scary. And it's not about the Buffalo Bills or the Bengals. And the NFL had every right to cancel that game and maybe push that game off. And I don't know if they're going to uh, redo that game. I don't know if they... Uh, being that both teams have a chance, they have one more game left, if one team loses or one team wins, and it doesn't matter where they fall when it comes to uh, their spots in the playoffs, maybe they don't play that game. I don't know. I don't know what the NFL is thinking. But when you look at the game and the speed of the game, these players, and we, we speak about this all the time, there are players like Jordan Davis who's what, uh, 360 pounds, 370 pounds, six foot five, six foot six, who can run through a wall. He's like, I, I think he runs a, a four eight. Right. right. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Lineman, yeah. Offensive linemen that are running five, uh, five, uh, you know, four nines, fives right now at the combine. It is, it's unbelievable the athletic ability that these guys have. And, and they are doing, they, they always get their physicals, like I was just saying. They, they're getting checked by doctors, their team doctors, their own doctors. Now, I don't know how a heart stops if he's never had cardiac problems. I, I, I'm not a doctor. But it's scary when you watch. It doesn't matter if it was a player on your team or it was a player that you, you hated. When you see something like that happens, it, it scares you. It sometimes worries you as a parent if your kid should play football or put yourself at risk for, for playing football. But you, you look at this game, and this game was the biggest game of the week. The Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, both teams fighting for second 
or first because you don't know what's going to happen. You have Kansas City. They're playing at a high level. Buffalo's playing at a high level. The Bengals haven't lost a game in like eight weeks or something like that. Seven weeks. Yep, not since Halloween. Joe Burrow right now is is everybody keeps talking about Mahomes winning the MVP. It should really, and I'm going to say this: Hurts, Jalen Hurts should win the MVP. He has had a phenomenal year, but because he's missed the last two games, and I, I guarantee you, if there's games on Sunday, he plays on Sunday because they need to win that game if they plan to be in first place. Because San Francisco, Minnesota, the Dallas Cowboys. Could you imagine Dallas sneak in as the number one seed? So you look at the game and and you you look at the thoughts of where the game is and how the game has transitioned to the speed, the power, and the ability that some of these players have. Uh, it, things like this will happen. You will see this. This is not the first time you're going to see it. And it won't be the last. And that's why the NFL, the NHL, all the high, you know, when it comes to abusive sports, should look into this and, and make sure that their players are protected. And it's also endurance, too. Hockey has a lot of endurance. Yes. Football has a lot of more short-term endurance, but definitely endurance. And you look at a case of DeMar Hamlin, in this case, T. Higgins made a made a football move, just tried to power through for get some extra yardage on a, on a tackle. And that's, the, that's really what happened. And it wasn't like anything dirty or egregious. And, and T. Higgins, after, the, after that whole incident happened, was very emotional. He thought, he, I, I hope he doesn't think he's at blame for, for that kind of thing, because it's a football play. And, but in the case of DeMar Hamlin, like, yeah, that could happen at any given time, just making a routine tackle. And it was just, it was so unfortunate the way it ended up going down. Nobody has been on the field with CPR for 20 minutes at a time before he was even rushed to the hospital too and shout out to all the fans and all the uh, security, the cops that were letting all those guys in, all the fans, Stefan Diggs uh, to help console their teammate and the everyone in the room. Now it, it's only limited right now people that are in the room in the hospital. The, his agent I believe is one of them, his uncle, I think his brother or something like that is, uh, is in there. So you're looking at a case where there's just so many different fronts to look at that. And the NFL should have why, – why they took so long to cancel the game was surprising in itself. But the NFL – we've heard it from a lot of the players we've had on the show in the past too. Like the NFL does not do a good job with a lot of these injuries, especially with CTE, but also the players when they retire too. They just have bad benefits, and it just doesn't work that way where – these these guys these things are not addressed right away. They wanted to resume the game, and I don't know why. Like, there's no reason, there's no way that these teams are going to be able to play it through that night. So they finally made the decision to cancel. We'll see. I would just give it a tie. Just let them have a tie, and then just play the, whatever week eighteen games they need to. Because I think that's all they care about right now. They want to. I'm sure the Buffalo Bills players would much rather have their teammate with them in a Super Bowl with them and miss this miss the playoffs entirely than be in a Super Bowl without them. And same and, thing with the Bengals. And by the way, I want to correct myself because Jeff's even wrong. He says the fastest speed is 33 miles per hour or something like that. No, it's Connor McDavid, which is 25.7. Okay, Jeff? So as as smart as you think you are and you think you're always right, you're wrong. So Connor McDavis is the fastest hockey player of all time, and it's a proven fact. So, what, because I said 60 miles per hour? Oh, my God. Jeff, you're such a smart guy. Not. Anyways, um, yeah, so when you look at the the DeMar Hamlin situation, I, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to go 
back and forth on on what the NFL needs to do. I think the NFL already knows, and 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 being that they're thinking about canceling the games this week, this is the first time we've ever seen the NFL even plan to do this. That is the first time I remember the NFL canceled the game because of an injury like that. Yeah, I don't remember it. I remember there were other people mentioning too. There was one with the um, there was one with the col- uh, collapse of the Jets Lions game in 1993, and that was the last time that kind of thing happened. And they didn't even do that when it came to canceling the games either. So I, there's the, it, you could just tell in the NFL community that there was a lot of players that were just really struck by this kind of thing because you never you never see anything like it. Yeah, you you see hits that and in bad injuries, but a guy collapsing on the field and again he, you you mentioned it, he was not breathing for five minutes wow. and he went into cardiac arrest. And again, there could there could be a lot more. Now he's a little more stable. Where you're looking at a case of how long will it be in the hospital? Like if they even obviously he's not going to play for the rest of the year, maybe for his career at this rate. And the Bills are going to the Bills players just can't really be in the right state of mind to be able to to play or just function like normal. And there's a lot of other teams going through that right now. A lot of guys that knew him in the community played with him in college, all that stuff. So. It's a lot to have to go through right now, and hopefully the NFL can get this right. I think when when you look at the game and how it's transitioning, there is a lot of specs that the NFL needs to look at in the offseason. They've changed some of the rules. They think that it's protected some of the players, and maybe it has. And this is not any of the – this – this particular incident had nothing to do with the equipment, had nothing to do with any of it. It had something to do with obviously something maybe medically wrong with DeMar Hamlin that nobody knew about. Yeah. His doctors couldn't find or, or something of like that. So I, I don't know exactly uh, moving forward what the NFL could do behind this, but, behind this, but I, I like that the NFL is taking initiative from it. So that, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I hope they take initiative to a longer-term thing for the players, too, because a lot of these players, you don't know what they're going to be able to go through, both mentally and physically, too. And I I, I think uh, Snug has a, a good thought on this. He says, props to the coaches. Uh, they had better sense than the NFL in postponing the game. So yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you, Snug. I, I think the game... I think these coaches understand the importance of the player and importance of what happened on the field. So it, it, it just it's disgusting. And and honestly, Jeff, if you keep it up, we're going to block you. I, I mean, it's it's getting to it's getting to a point that we're going to have to block you. And I don't want to do it, but you're getting to a point that we're going to. Because I think it's it's not right what you're doing on the feed. It's not funny. Anyways, uh, I want to get into also the Giants clinching. Uh, the number six seed in the NFC. And I I think the real surprise for the New York Giants so far, it really is Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has had a really, really good season. And when you kind of look at the numbers, and I know it's not all about the numbers, but Daniel Jones had nobody to throw to this year. Darius Slayton was his number one target. Darius Slayton on any other team would probably be a third option. Sometime, some teams, maybe a fourth option. But Darius Slayton had a very good season. Uh, Be- Bellinger looked really, really good. The tight end who they drafted in the fourth round mm-hmm. looked really, really good. And, and there's some aspects of the offense. Fig- you know, obviously, they're, they're figuring things out. And, and you're seeing it. Dable is figuring out what their strengths are offensively and what their weaknesses are. Saquon Barkley has had a magnificent season. He's been fantastic. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He's back to what he was in the first two seasons before he got hurt. 
So if you're a Giant fan, you sit here today, you should be very happy. And I don't know, John Suggs, uh, Suggs says, Daniel Jones, comeback player of the year. I don't know if he was comeback player of the year, but he's had a very good season. There's a couple of players that had good comeback comeback years and did very well coming yeah. back from an injury and, and of that magnitude. So, But Daniel Jones has had a fantastic year. He really has. And, and two, I will give Jeff a lot of credit on this. And I, me and Jeff were two of really two of the only people that really took a took a thought on when Daniel Jones was uh, drafted a couple of years ago from Duke. I really thought he was so very. I thought he was going to be the better one of the better quarterbacks in that draft class. Now Kyler Murray was drafted in that class. Who else was drafted in that well, class? Well, the other one that was high was Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins may rest in red. peace yeah, by the way, yes. but, but yeah, uh, those were really the only that was really top heavy first round that was supposed to be. There was the 2018 draft and the 2020 draft that was kind of the one in between where it wasn't supposed to be as good and that's why at the time, yeah, I, I didn't want Daniel Jones. I wanted the Giants to draft Devin White. He he went for a pick before that and then Josh Allen or Jonah Williams after that. So. I, I think that when you look at what Daniel Jones has done this year and and the recovery from what we saw the last couple, a couple of years where everybody was saying he's not a quarterback, he's not a franchise quarterback. What we've seen this year, uh, he can run the ball. He's one of the more faster quarterbacks that we've seen in the NFL. And we, we, we speak about Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen. People forget how fast Daniel Jones is. He's He's got breakout speed. And the one thing that he needed to work on was the fumbles. Right. And he didn't fumble the ball a lot this year. He's protected the ball very much. He he's thrown very few. I think how many interceptions does he have in this? Uh, eight, eight interceptions. He's had uh, I think seventeen or eighteen touchdowns. So he's had a really really good season. And I know what you're going to say. Well, those numbers aren't good enough to be a franchise quarterback in the league. Well, when you look at the players he was throwing to. Uh, you have to understand that you need weapons. You need players that can create separation. And he didn't have those guys this year. He lost, he lost uh, Sterling Shepard early in the season. And then he, he kept losing piece by piece throughout the uh, Galladay turned out to be a bust. Yeah. And so they don't even have a number one wide receiver. They don't have a number two wide receiver. They had number threes. That's what they had. And even though the Giants record looks and stands out to be pretty good for a, 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 a roster that's not really in depth very good their their schedule fell into place and and that has nothing to do with why they made the players you play whatever whatever on your schedule washington played the same schedule the dallas cowboys practically played the same schedule so did the eagles right. now oh, maybe games. maybe a few games here and there that right. weren't the same but games. they were pretty much all the same and the giants still won eight games so actually nine games so when you look at the big picture, and you look at all these teams, and and, and again, Washington obviously lost their spot. They're not making the playoffs. They're, there's zero percent chance yep. they can make the playoffs. And now it's up to Green Bay and maybe a Seattle little, and Detroit. Yeah, Seattle and Detroit. Now Green Bay and Detroit play on Sunday. Whoever wins that game probably makes it. Well, Detroit if, has to have Seattle lose. Lose. Too, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Seattle right now has the final spot. If Green Bay wins this week, no matter if Seattle wins or loses, they make the playoffs. Correct. So it's so interesting when you look at and you try to compare all these teams. And the NFC is so bottom, 
I, I, what, what would you it's call top it? heavy? Because I wouldn't even say it, was, it, it. The bottom teams are just not good. Yeah, the the bottom teams have a lot of surprises because there was a lot of underperforming teams in the NFC. When you look at teams like the Rams, teams like the Cardinals, and again, the Buccaneers won the division, but they're still eight and eight. They're not. They're underwhelming for what they should be. And yeah, that's what happened this year with the NFC and the Eagles, 49ers, and the Vikings teams that were expected to be higher. Though they showed out and Dallas as well. But again, that. that Besides that, there were no other teams. Um, before we get a break, I just want to answer John's question. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think the Giants will go after OBJ or somebody like Devontae Adams this offseason? First-round draft a wide receiver mm. or defensive line? The one thing I would pay attention to based on the recent trend of this offseason, you saw the 2019 draft class, pretty much all the top wide receivers from that draft class, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and A.J. Brown, all four of them either got traded and got paid or they got paid. Those guys in 2020, a lot of them that have been striving this year are not first-round picks. Odell Beckham is not going to be a giant in the offseason. Devontae Adams, they need to trade a boatload of players. Yeah, They're not getting Devontae Adams. Um, I think Devontae Adams stays there. I could see Aaron Rodgers going there. I could see Tom Brady going there. Uh, they're, they're right there where they can compete in the AFC. The, the Raiders. And I know they're in a very tough division, but they have a very good offense. They need to fix that defense. They have some money coming off. So they, they have a chance. They can add a one or two defensive players. They have their draft picks. So I, I can absolutely do, – do, do, did they lose any draft picks with Devontae? No, they, they no, signed no, Devontae. That was all last year. So they, they have their draft picks this year. So um, I could see the, the Raiders going after one of those top-notch uh, quarterbacks – this offseason where they have a chance to win next year. So I don't see Devontae Adams going anywhere. Odell Beckham, I, I, I could see him going more to a Super Bowl contender. I don't know if they think that the Giants will be, or he thinks the Giants will be a contender next year. I think they're at least another year away. Now, the Giants can make a run this year, depending on how everything falls. If they play Minnesota in the first in the first round, in the wild card game, they could beat Minnesota. They match up very well. It, remember what happened with the Bengals last year? Everything fell the way they needed it to fall for them to go to the Super Bowl. So if everything falls, because the NFC is, it, it, there is, like we said, is it's a very top-heavy, you know, conference. So maybe if the Giants, I'm just saying, the Giants play the Minnesota Vikings in the first round, just saying, and then somehow Tampa gets out of the, if, if Tampa gets Tampa out of the first Dallas, round, yeah. da- Tampa will play Dallas. If Tampa beats Dallas. I don't know if it, it can happen, but maybe the Giants play Tampa. That would be the NFC Championship oh, that, game if that would somehow happen. Because the Giants would then play the Eagles or the 49ers. So there you the go. So, seat, yeah. and, and, and the Giants could beat the Eagles. And the Giants are playing Eagles uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Jalen Hurts plays. If Jalen Hurts plays, the Giants have no chance. And I don't know if yeah. the Giants are playing Daniel Jones. And I don't think the Giants are going to play a lot of their defensive starters either, considering all the injuries that they've had in that front. But I want to go back to your question, John. I, I would pay attention, though, to the 2020 draft class of wide receivers that a lot of them could be demanding new contracts, too. Maybe that's an area the Giants look in. Somebody like Michael Pittman, who might want Indianapolis. Uh, T. Higgins with the Bengals, because they have some cap issues. Maybe they have trouble hanging on to him. So it might be costly to get those types of players, but I wouldn't mind them doing Well, they're going to franchise them. Yeah. Or, yeah, again, if the Giants can end up getting one of them and have to trade a first-round pick, then draft another guy in the second round, too, to add a little more depth to go along with Shepard when he does come back. Expect able to go after a big wide receiver this offseason. He needs a weapon. Daniel Jones needs a weapon. And he needs a healthy weapon. Because Pittman, uh, over the last couple of years, has not stayed healthy. He, he really hasn't. Now, uh, Higgins, uh, even though he's been injured here and there, I think Higgins is more 
of a sure thing okay. than, than a Michael Pittman. Pittman, remember, when he came out of college from USC, he was injury prone. So I don't know if I would trust Michael Pittman. Pittman, if I'm going to have to trade a first-round draft pick for him uh, to, to give away a future, maybe future star or a future top pick for a guy that I couldn't trust if he could stay healthy. Now, Shepard will be back next year. So I don't know how strong he will be. He tore his ACL. Uh, Slayton will be back. I don't know if the, the Giants need to go out there and, and go after a ton of wide receivers. I, I think if they get a, a star number one, a good number one, like a Pittman or a Higgins, yeah. you have a good number one right there, and then you draft somebody in the second round or third round right. to kind of fill in. Because they still have Robinson. They really like him when they drafted him. Wondell Robinson, who got hurt, he was a second-round draft pick for the Giants. He's another weapon that they could use. And maybe they decide, hey, you know what? We have Wondell. Let's trade Sterling Shepard and try to get something back for Sterling Shepard. Yeah. I, I don't know what you can get back for him, but you may, maybe get a fourth for him, a fifth. And, and, yeah, and, probably a fifth coming off the injury. And, and then maybe you could decide what you're doing with that. But I, I think when you look at where the Giants are and the position that they are, is their schedule next year going to be hard? It's going to take a while for the NFC to rejuvenate mm-hmm. and, and regenerate talent because they've all really – all the star quarterbacks are in the AFC now. Right. So uh, if you look at where the Giants are and you look at where the Jets are, I would worry as a Jet fan because you have the AFC. You still have to deal with Patrick Mahomes. You still have to deal with, obviously, you know, Bill Belichick in the same division. You have Josh Allen. You have Miami and Tua. There's just – I don't know if Tua will be there next year. It could be Tom Brady there next year. I don't know. We've heard stories that Tom Brady was uh, you know, talking to the owner last year before he decided – two years ago when he, he was talking before he decided to go to the Buccaneers. So mm-hmm. there's so many other. Lamar Jackson, he could be available this year. Does he stay in the AFC or do they fran- does the Baltimore Ravens franchise him and then trade him to the NFC? So and then they don't have to deal with him and they never have to see him. So there's a lot of things that could happen this offseason, just like last season. If you remember, and I'm just speaking for the Jets, when the Jets were going into the offseason last year, everybody said they were far, far away from being a good team. Far, far away. And then they had one of the best drafts in a long, long time. They added uh, Garrett Wilson, and they added uh, Sauce Gardner, and then they added uh, Jermaine Johnson, and then they added Clemens, and then Brees Hall, and all these guys that they added. And, and got, they were big momentum boosters for the New York Jets. Now, obviously, what we see in the last five games of the season, they did not play well, but they still have pieces that they can build on. They still have talent that they can build on going into the next season. So when you look at the, the big picture, when you look at the Giants and the Jets, I would say that the Giants are positioned in a better state because they're in the NFC. Uh, besides the Eagles this year, as good as the Cowboys' numbers look, and we've, we've, we've seen what the Cowboys could do, their defense against good teams have really looked bad in the second half. So I, I don't know if I trust the Cowboys in a big game, and I still don't know what Dak Prescott is in the big game. So, and, and you go with the, throughout the NFC. Tom Brady, is he staying in the NFC? Is he going to the AFC? Is he retiring? He just got a $350 million contract from, from Fox to be a broadcaster. And then you, you look at the, the, the San Francisco 49ers. As good as their defense is, how long are they going to be able to pay all those guys? So it, it could be a complete transition. And let's not talk about the Rams. We don't, know what, we don't know what their quarterback position is going to be next year. And I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield because he, he could be in so many different areas. And, and Baker's not good. 
And uh, Cooper Cup needs to stay healthy. There's so many what-ifs with some of these teams. And is Seattle going to do what they did this year and put up the numbers they did with Geno Smith? I don't know. And is Geno Smith going to stay there next year, being that he's a free agent? Who knows? When we come back, we will be talking to Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champion running back, our friend Brandon Jacobs and his soon-to-be five-star recruit son here on the Sports Limehouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Brandon Jacobs dancing, as you see in the camera. Remember, you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. We have a Buffalo Bills show uh, called The Herd. We have a Jets show. We got a betting show. We got all shows throughout the social media market. They are live shows. They're not podcasts, but if you miss the shows, you can listen to, uh, to listen to it on Apple Podcasts. But we have our first guest of the new year. Uh, we have spoken to him quite a few times. And I know a lot of people love this guy, Giants history. One of our guys over here, a big Giant fan. We are now talking to two-time Super Bowl champion running back, Brandon Jacobs, and his soon-to-be star college recruit son, Braden Jacobs. What's up, Mr. Brandon? And, uh, you know, nothing much, man. Just uh, here in the middle of a move right now, going from one house to another. But uh, <laughs> things are going great, man. Happy New Year to you guys, and uh, I hope all is well. I hope your new year bring in much success, great health, and uh, everything else you want. You look Happy healthy. New year to you guys too. Yeah. You look healthy. So does your son. I mean, you you still look the same that you did when you played football seven, eight, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. So you look great. You really do. I try, I try my best, man. It's, you know, 2023 coming up. <laughs> this is going to be my tenth year being out. I retired in the, uh, after the 2013 season, so. 2023 season coming up is going to be my 10th year being done with the sport. Or ninth year, I guess I could say being done with the sport. But, uh, yeah, man, it's been a long time, man. been, uh, you know, trying to work with this guy, make sure he get to where he want to go and make sure he knows what it takes to get to where he want to go, making sure he knows where he want to go, mm. that type of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud and uh, a proud father be in a position and, you know, just watch him grow and, and go through this cruise. It's a totally different process now than what it was when I came out. So so before we get into the Giants, why don't we get in with your son? And, uh, Braden, we heard a lot about you. You're six foot five. I, I think he is. Six and a half now. Uh, I'm, <laughs> okay. six. <laughs> you're a pretty big dude. And, and your father, you know, speaks very highly of you. You're an offensive lineman. Uh, I think you were recruited by Kent State, if I'm not mis- mistaken. Was it Ken? Was it what, what was the school? Kansas State, Kansas State, Alabama. Yes, he got offers from. He got offers from. Go ahead, man. Uh, like he said, Kansas State, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple. There's a lot. Of, there's uh, there's a lot of other schools too. Oh, wow. he's, he's Power Five teams. I, I, I love three it. SEC power. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. you you want to hear that? And and that, those are the. And if you're getting full scholarships, and we we have a guy out here named Preston Carey who is uh, a freshman, uh, all American freshman, and this kid is he's a big dude like you, but. 
I, you know, looking at what your father has done in the NFL and winning two Super Bowls, he was a big part of the Giants Super Bowl championship. Uh, the pedigree that you have moving forward is pretty unique. And, and, and what made you, as, as a young kid, decide to be an offensive lineman from the other positions you could have played? Um, well, it wasn't really like a decision to play O-line. It was just where I fit in. I was a bigger – I've always been a bigger kid, so – I was, they started, my first year of football, they put me on the O-line, and I ended up loving it. So what is the, you told us the recruitment updates with, uh, with, your, with the five schools. Um, also, we've seen very actively the transfer portal this offseason as well. So, again, when you, do, when you do end up making your decisions, do you have other backup plans in mind of maybe schools not recruiting you now but also could look at you if you talk with any other coaches? Um, well, once I decide where I'm going – I don't really want to have a backup plan because mm. if I have to transfer, then I might not get to, then no one might take me and I might be stuck. So I want to go to a college and stay. Well, that's, that's really that's good commitment. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. But when, when you hear some of these players, uh, they, 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 knowing that there's a transfer portal, they, they, they don't want to play for this coach this year. They go to another coach. They want to win a national championship. We are talking to Giants, two-time Super Bowl champion running back, Brandon Jacobs and his son, Braden Jacobs. Braden, when you look at the game and how it's changed, and, and you saw how your father played, he was a, he was a, he was a pounder, he, he, a guy that pounded everybody at the line of scrimmage. The game has changed. You have these running backs that do all these different things in the open field. They catch the ball. They, they, they run up the gut. They do all these different things. As an offensive lineman, what is it like you know, blocking for these guys? Um, well, it's really your one job. Block for the running back, ask block for your quarterback. If you don't do that, then... I don't know what you're doing there. On your recruiting, on your recruiting journey, both from both of your perspectives. So, do you have a? Is there one particular coach or player that really stood out to get that recruiting process in and the experience? What were those? Some of those like? Well, you know, coming up, you know, all these coaches, there's coaches that know how to recruit, and there's some that don't know how to recruit. You know, some look at it, some look at it as a job and a business, and and some coaches take it personal. As far as who they recruit and build relationships with, uh, you got coaches that will talk to you and make you feel like they're your kid. I mean, you're his kid and he cares about you, right? That's more of the guys you want to kind of be with. I think Kirby Smart and a lot of those guys over there at Georgia does a great job with connecting with a lot of these players. You know, Tennessee does a great job of connecting with a lot of these players and, and, and parents, you know, and being a place. Even LSU does a really good job on uh, connecting with these players and making them feel like, you know, this is the place for you. As a parent, I want to send my son somewhere that he has help, number one. Um, like for me, I'm from Louisiana, so if my son were to tell me he wanted to go to LSU, I got tons of people down there to look after him, right? Um, but, for, but for a guy like myself, I want my kid to be close in case he get drunk one night <laughs> and punch a glass and cut an artery and here we got to drive two hours to a place unlike driving unlike waiting on a flight to take off early morning to take off to go to a place like Oregon or USC mm. it's going to be a little difficult to be able you know to be able to get there you know when you know you got such a bad tragedy that's happening so either it's close or somewhere where I know tons of people so you know um so as a parent that's kind of you know what you want and a lot of these coaches, man, you know, some of them treat it as a job. Hey, well, I don't get you. Move on to the next guy, which they all do that. But they all make it a point to make you to make a lot of these kids uh, and parents feel like, you know, your son is going to be safe here with me. Want to look out for him. 
want to take care of him. I'm, I'm going to make sure he's good type thing. So, I mean, I just want my kid to be able to go somewhere where he is, number one, wanted, and number one, somewhere cared about, and somebody got his back if the shit get hot. Braden, your father played for the Giants. Did you grow up a Giant fan? Um, Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of just born into it. But <laughs> I don't really remember much from him playing because I was so young. Yeah, I think the game is is completely different from when he played, and with the new rule changes and the protection for you know obviously CTE. We we speak to a lot of players, and and after watching that just horrendous thing that happened on Sunday uh, for Demar, Demar Hamlin suffering that scary uh, cardiac arrest, I, I mean the, it scares you. I mean, I, I Brandon, your your father, I'm sure his family, Demar's family, watching that on national TV. And watching their son just fall over like that, it, it's scary. What were your thoughts when you when you watched that on national TV? Um, it was scary, but because it made me think to myself, like, this is the sport I want to go play, and these are these are, these are some of the risks of me playing that sport. But it's what, but it's a sport, but it's a sport that can make me a lot of money and give me give me a lifetime worth of just like living after retirement. Mm. How about you, Brandon? What did you think? Watching DeMar fall like that. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Being a guy that played the sport, um, there's a lot of guys that out there played, and a lot of guys that's lucky enough to get through it. Um, it's such a, a, a terrible situation. Um, you know, I send my, you know, my, my best wishes out to his family and him. Hope he can, you know, I hope he can pull through this thing and, and, and be, you know, and be able to live a normal life. It's definitely scary. I talked to my wife about it. This is what our kids want to do. Mm. They understand the risks that that take place on the football field. They understand that the, the after you're done, risk as well. Being able to walk, being you know, being you know, being able to think straight, being able to communicate with people on a certain level. Uh, they understand the risk that's involved, right? My kid were to go, this kid were to go out there and and play the game, and something were to happen where he got hit and died. I'm not going to say I regret him playing. I'm not going to say that because I don't. Mm. This is something that, this, you know, this is an opportunity that was created for himself, and this is a decision that we all made. So this is a part of the risk that comes with it, you know. If, I, if we were to have, you know, and we got a youngest son as well. He's mm. 12. If he goes out there and something happens to him, we're, you know, we're not going to make the youngest stop playing. It's just all about, you know, you. this is the risk that you assume, and this is what can come from it. I know that as your dad, your mom knows it as your mom, and, you know, everyone around you know it, and this is what comes from it. We can't blame no one else for it, and this is what we got. So we're going to go out here, and we're going to kick ass, and we're going to be as successful as we're going to be until we can't no more. So a lot of those cr- – oh, God. Uh, so a lot was criticized with the NFL, with the way they handled the whole thing. Uh, they mm-hmm. eventually canceled the game, but it took them a lot longer than it should have in a lot of ways. And you look at the Bills and the Bengals players as a whole, and even across the league, just all the all the grievances, all the prayers being sent to DeMar Hamlin and just really a whole community support. So what do you think is the next steps for the NFL, both this season and also long-term, to help these uh, these players get protected better? Well, I'm not sure the NFL can do much right now with helping these players get protected, man. But I, I say this, though. The NFL players are in a piss poor, right? <laughs> we sit out here and we play this game in front of millions of people every week. Uh, to not have permanent, uh, a lifelong health insurance, to be able to go through, jump, you know, jump over hurdles and fight lions, tigers, and bears and cut ourselves out of the stomach of the pipe of a python to try to get uh, this, you know, disability from the NFL 
they got their doctors who's on their side who's gonna say you're fine. But a real doctor who don't know you from Adam is gonna say you got problems, mm-hmm. right? The NFL is a big business, it's a big mafia, and they wanna make all the money that they can possibly make without, without having to reach down and help a lot of the players that's under them, that has done it. A lot of former players like guys come from, not even myself, guys that come before me. You got guys that come before me that don't have health insurance now because of their time was up, right? Mm-hmm. They six years, you know, you know, like, in an ERA or, or whatever, the IRA account, whatever that shit is, it's done. <laughs> I think the NFL needs to do a better job with the billions of dollars that they make every year on making sure these guys, when, when they're done playing, are protected. You know, health insurance, for you know, for me, costs about $2,500 a month, right? Mm. That's about it's $2,500 a month. Yeah, I mean, I know it's me. I mean, I know it's thousands of people that came through the NFL, right? But I think that they can do a better plan. You know, I think they can do a better job of, with uh, making sure that these guys, like a lot of these former guys, are okay. You know, like at the end of the yeah, we're not making you much more money, right? But we made you enough to where you can at least be able to, you know, we don't have to jump through hoops and all of this other shit to be able to get our disability when things go wrong, our workers' comp, like all, like all of this. They fight us on all of this stuff, man, and I think it's terrible. As everybody knows, we are talking to Giants two-time Super Bowl champion running back uh, Brandon Jacobs and his son, Braden Jacobs. And, and it's crazy because I speak about it. I have taken shots at uh, the NFL. They probably don't like me. Roger Goodell, who's making about $45 million a year. Uh, he's got benefits, long-life benefits after he's done with the NFL. So does his kids, his family, and he has his own jet. So I, I understand how you feel. We, we've speak, spoken to a lot of ex-NFL players, and they agree with you. It's not just you, Brandon. Every single one of them have said the NFL have struck out on this, and they have to figure something out. Not now, not, to, not tomorrow, not, to, not the next day, but now. So the game needs to be fixed in, in a lot of ways. The players, you need to step up to the plate and protect uh, the players that are putting their bodies and their lives on the line. So why don't we get into the Giants, Brandon? And uh, the Giants have had a pretty good year for a, a team that really had no weapons. They lost Sterling Shepard early in the year. Uh, Kenny Galladay has been an absolute strikeout. I mean, you look at the big picture of where the Giants are. I, I, I'm surprised. I know their schedule fell in the right area and fell the right way for them. What were your thoughts to Daniel Jones here? A lot of people are trying to tell him he's done. He's, it, you need to be looking for a new quarterback. Is he the quarterback of the future of what you've seen now with Dable running this show? I want you guys to sit and think about something when you're talking about Daniel Jones, okay? Um the, the offense has been winning ugly games. They've been putting up ugly numbers. I mean, I don't think the Giants put up over two hundred, over 350 yards the whole season of total offense. Um, but when you guys, when people speak of DJ, they should take in, into consideration everything that comes with a guy who gives the ball to everybody else. Okay? Name one wide receiver on their team that you can call a go-to guy. Do you guys know one? None. None. Darius Slayton's the third. He would be a third or fourth option on any other team. On any other team. But right now, he's a one option because Mm -hmm. that's what we got. We gave $72 to a big 6'3", 6'4", 200-plus-pound Kenny Galladay, who has... A bust? Disappeared. (laughs) Let's just say disappeared. A bust. I don't want to call a guy a bust because certain certain systems and certain organizations are for certain people. But you can't go get a guy that's off the Lions team that was done good for the Detroit Lions but still hadn't won any goddamn games and give him $72 million. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. 
He hadn't won enough. Yeah, he had a great season. He hadn't won enough. You don't know what it's like to win. You don't know what it's like to win. And he's always been in week six, week seven, week eight, week nine. His season is over with. He never had to fight through. He never had to break down a brick wall in week 14, week 15 to make the playoffs. The Lions have never been anything. And I'm not taking a shot at Galladay. I'm just saying these guys who's making these moves, going on paying these guys, they, they need to take into consideration everything. We want to give a guy $72 million, right? I think Daniel Jones is the is the quarterback for the New York Giants. Here's why. I mean, if you think about it, look at the passes he throws. He's an accurate guy. He's accurate as shit. And he can run. He can get out of the backfield. He can create time for himself. I think the offensive line did a decent job this year, you know, later on in the season anyway, toward mid to later season, you know, later on in the season. I thought he did great. And when he didn't do good, he bought he bought himself some time on his feet. You know, I think he rushed for 700 yards this year, 750 or something like that. Uh, threw for three, what, 28, 3,000, uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere around there. I mean, that's, that's good stat. Over 3,000 yards. Yeah, over oh, 3,000 yeah, yards. Yeah, yes. like over 3,000 yards. And I think Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the New York Giants. Get the guy a weapon or two to go downfield. Get the guy an immediate weapon. And let's win the Super Bowl, man. And let's go get this thing, man. It's not hard. Yep, there, there was a stat that I saw last week. There's one of only, there's three quarterbacks in the league, only three that have thrown for three thousand and rushed for over six hundred yards: Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. That's it. Hey, not even Lamar yo, Jackson. Man. Not even Patrick Mahomes have done that. Right. So in saying that, they, they tell me Jalen Hurts is up is is MVP. Right. All right, and uh, he's in the he and he's in the top with two of the top guys in the league. Mm. How could you not get this man credit? And still, they, they both, all both of those teams that, you know, quarterbacks you mentioned, has down, has downfield threats. Mm. Has downfield threats. We don't have that. And Daniel Jones is still mentioned. They got to respect DJ, man. They got to respect him. And, I, you know, he's, he's a good quarterback. He's a, he's a good quarterback. And I, and I really think that he can be so much better. And I think the Giants record can be so much better if they had a, 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 another a wide receiver who can actually be a threat. On every single down, I thought the defense played tremendous. Uh, you know, like, other than a few weeks, I thought the, you know Philadelphia the first time they played them, and the second time I think they played Dallas. I think those were the two worst games defensively that we played. Mm. I think everything else they was in the game, and I thought the defense played well. I said leave the defense like it is. You know, um, I thought I think our DBs are good. Who started yes. off the season rough? Mm-hmm. I think they're good. Get this man a wide receiver. Pay Saquon. Pay Daniel whatever you can pay him and find out a way where you can find your way around Kenny Galladay's contract where you can give more people some money. Before I get to my question, I, I, I did mention the last time we had you on the show, my brother actually had you, your, your jersey when he was a kid. And since I was there, I figured I'd bring it for, for this. Nice. Seven yeah. <laughs> percenter, baby. Hey, I call those guys seven percenters, man. Seven percenters. I call, I call everybody who buy a Brandon Jacobs jersey. The seven percent. You know why? Because we get seven percent of those sales. Seven percent. But we always appreciate those guys, man. I appreciate all the people who supported me, like over the years. Uh, I love each. I love each and every one of you. Um, you know. Let's keep going, man. Yep. So my question is about Saquon, actually. So you you were very high on him every time we've had you on the show, saying that he's going to bounce back and be an elite running back, and he's definitely been that this year. So, again, with the contract now coming up, upcoming, what do you think the Giants will end up paying him per year and also years-wise? I have no idea. I do know it's going to be short-term. When I mean short-term, I say four years max. 
say four years, about 50, 55 million, maybe 25 of those 50 guaranteed, mm. or 55 guaranteed, you know, guaranteed. I think they'll be able to finagle that by, you know, as far as the cap is concerned, I think they give Daniel Jones another short-term contract as well. No, I, I agree with you. I think when you look at Saquon Barkley and, and, and the season that he has, he deserves all the money. And I do believe he'll have probably between 25 and $28 million guaranteed, uh, as well as he should. And, and we'll see if he lives out that three- to four-year contract. Because that's what I think he's going to have, a three- to four-year contract. They're not going to extend him any longer. Running backs don't play that long. in the You know that, Brandon. Uh, the, yeah. An average running back, three to four years in the NFL. Two. Yeah, two years. Two and a half. Really? So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. And Brandon, you were in the league for a long, long time. So, give you a lot, a lot of credit for what you know, what you did as a player. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to two-time Super Bowl champion running back Brandon Jacobs and his son uh, Braden Jacobs, who uh, just uh, took a step back, let his father take over. Uh, but uh, uh, Brandon, we go back and forth with the Jets, and I, I know you're not a Jets fan. You're you don't like the Jets. Um, what were your thoughts and on what happened to the Jets in the second half of the season? And uh, do you think they should stick as well as what you've heard from Adam Scheffner today, saying they're going to stick with Zach Wilson, they're behind Zach Wilson? Do you think the organization should or should be looking elsewhere for a quarterback in the offseason? I like Zach, man. I think Zach is a good quarterback with a lot of with great confidence. I do know he has great confidence while wow, he's around here. Uh... Sleeping with all these mills, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I had to say it. <laughs> I had to say it, man. Lucky guy. He but, is uh, a lucky guy. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think the Jets should stick with him. I mean, them benching him. I mean, he was five and two when they benched him. Yeah, because I guess a starter. Uh, it benched him over. I guess him not taking blame for the, the, the uh, by, by putting pressure on the defense or the offense could be more successful or, or whatever it was. And they benched him because he didn't answer that question correctly. I think that's piss poor a piss poor reason to bench your friend. You know your quarterback who you just drafted. You know up there. And I, I mean, I think the guy's a good quarterback. He got you know I'm, I'm a fan of him, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he is the guy for the Jets. I mean, I thought the Jets had a pretty decent season, more, you know, better than what they used to having. Yeah. You know, yeah. way better than what they used to have. So, I mean, uh, wow, I'm, I'm surprised I you're complimenting him. With him. <laughs> I'm surprised you're complimenting them because the last time oh, you won, uh, you, weren't, you weren't too fond of them. <laughs> I'm going to compliment a team that need to be complimented. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a hater. I got you. Because uh, one team across the way that, Kind of try to, you know what I mean? I, I'm not. I mean, I got you. Hey, he, well, he was high on sauce last time he was on he, the show. You were. Yeah, you were sauce, very... sauce is a beast. I mean, sauce sauce could be one of the best corners in the league right now. Could be one of the greatest to ever play by the time he's done. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, sauce is he got to cover some guys this year, man. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he done a good did. job. I mean, he still hadn't given up much. If you go through his, 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 his season, you know, it's not much different than what it was last year. Mm. He, you know, he didn't give up a whole bunch. Um, but, you know, I say, I, I, I like what the Jets have done as far as the coach is concerned, a lot of the moves they made as far as roster wise. Um, I think I think the future is very bright for the New York Jets. And uh, you know, like I said, I don't really like them, but I'm not gonna sit up there and say certain things about them because I don't like them. I'm awesome. I, I do know a team that you absolutely hate, uh, over there in Dallas. Uh they they have a chance to actually fall in first place by the end of the season. If the Eagles lose, if San Francisco loses 
and Minnesota loses and, and the Cowboys win, they could actually move up to the number one seed in the NFC. What are your thoughts to that? I mean, I hate the Dallas Cowboys with a passion. You know? like, I, I, I take my gun and shoot it and shoot it in the air at any stars. Right? <laughs> but they're a good football team. They got a good defensive outfit. They got a good offensive outfit. They got their wide receivers crazy. They got two good running backs. They got an offensive line that's out of this world. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw Dallas playing in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, it's just me going to be honest. I hate them, but I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> If they, were, if, they were to, if they were to make it all the way. I mean, they beat the Eagles, who the number one team. They beat them, you know, good. No controversial calls, no cheating, no one no one way or another. Mm-hmm. Nothing could, no one could say rigged. They beat them mano y mano. Once they've done that, I mean, I, I mean, we got Minnesota Vikings. They went there and put 40-something points on the Vikings in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. I wouldn't, would, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be sitting here telling you. Don't worry. Even if Dallas wow. does get the one seed, uh, Dallas, you know I think it's too about them losing in the, in the first playoff and Dallas did, And Dallas didn't beat Jalen Hurts. Uh, they they did go pound for pound, but they didn't beat Jalen Hurts. Like, Dallas did not beat Jalen Hurts. I definitely I would agree with that 100%. Yes. I, I would agree with that 100%. I think it would have been a different but different game. Next man up, though, man. Next man up. You got one guy now, which is a quarterback. is a big deal. But, I mean, come on, man. At the end of the day, he should – Find a way to get to, you know, you, you're, you're needed. Find a way to line that shit up and play ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my last question is, uh, with the Giants' current playoff scenarios, they could play one of those four teams. Which team are you most afraid of uh, playing, and which would you want to play most? I'm most afraid of whatever can happen to make us fall to go to San Francisco. Okay. I'm afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm afraid of that. I don't want that one. But. We can beat Minnesota. Mm. All right. Yeah. We can beat Minnesota. We had, you know, Minnesota had a full deck of cards a couple weeks ago, and we were on their asses, <laughs> which we should have won the game. The Giants can beat Minnesota. I'm not so sure about San Francisco, but the Giants can beat Minnesota. I'd rather the Giants play Minnesota in Minnesota, beat them, and go to Dallas, if that's the case, mm-hmm. and beat them. I see. I see that happen, and we've seen that the Bengals last year. What everything fell together for them? How they went from one team to an everything fell together for them to go to the Super Bowl. So maybe if the Giants get lucky and and the matchups, you know, obviously match up very well for them, they could go all the way to the NFC title game. There's no question they can, and anything could happen because a team can lose their quarterback or somebody gets hurt, or yeah, maybe a team's happen. not playing. A team's not playing well. So we've seen this before. The Giants did it yeah. twice. You know, so it, it's amazing. And you did beat San Francisco in the NFC sure. title game. So I, I remember that. And I remember Eli getting beaten the hell up. And he yeah, still he found destroyed. a way. Yeah, I remember that game. We all got destroyed. <laughs> they got destroyed, too. That was a knockdown dragout game. But once you get to the NFC championship game, anything can happen, man. Well, <laughs> anything can happen in the NFC championship game. Before we let you go, I, I didn't forget our bet the last time we had you on the show. So remember, next year. Before the Jets play the Giants, I don't know, know when that's going to fall or probably fall. I, I would say week eight or week nine. Whoever has the better record, you're going to have to take me and Speedy and your son to the to the game. And we, we go to see the Jets and the Giants on you. But if the Giants have a better record than the Jets by whenever they play, I take you and your son. And I'm going to get fantastic seats. Me, you, Speedy. And your son are going to go to a giant game, giant Jets game next year. What do you say? That's a bet. 
That's a bet. I know it's a bet, and I'm going to stick That's to my it. bet. I always do. I always don't do. Don't worry, I'll, br- I'll, br- I'll bring the jersey. It won't fit me. I won't wear it, but I'll, but I'll, br- I'll definitely bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, we really, we really appreciate your time. Tell your son, Braden, we wish him all the luck. We'll, we'll be, we'll, we will support everything he does, and we'd love to get you guys back on the show very, very soon, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Well, sounds good, man. Hey, guys, thanks, hey, hey, thanks for having me and my boy on, man. I really appreciate Absolutely, that. Absolutely, man. Hey, happy New Year to you guys. Happy Absolutely. New Year to you guys You look well. good, man. Do whatever you're doing. I'm fine, man. And, 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 and safe travel wherever you're moving to. Are you getting a yeah. bigger house we now? We are moving to Buford, Georgia. Buford is one of the top tier programs in the state of Georgia. One of the top in the country as well. I think my boy needs to be there. So uh, that's what we Oh, is that is that oh. is that a little slip Kirby right Smart, there? Are you listening? Is that, <laughs> is that a what? Is that a little uh, you know, information that you don't want to give us? <laughs> no, I mean beautiful I mean it's been it's been it's been known by everybody. I mean, beautiful wolves is like uh they got up to number six in the nation last year. Mm. They lost one game in the playoffs, which was a wrong game to to lose. Should have won a state championship easy. They didn't because uh, they lost the wrong, you know, the wrong game. But I'm bringing some, I'm bringing some, some, some guys that, that that's gonna be able to get them over that hump and uh, and and go mono. You know, it's it's iron sharp and iron. There's a bunch of iron over at Buford that that's in coaches and players that you know that you know that I think they're just gonna be able to make my son better. Mm. You know, to go to the next level. Jersey to Georgia, the Jacobs are heading down to the. Uh, the big G, and maybe. Oh Kirby. no 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 no! I haven't lived in Jersey since 2000. Oh really? I thought you were in Jersey. So there you go. But that makes it even better. Yeah. I mean, that might be a, a toss right there to Kirby Smart over there. You know, yep. a little like a well, you know, it, pitch. If we was in Jersey, probably my boy would probably go to Don Bosco or DePaul Catholic. Oh, okay. Okay, I know exactly. One of those two schools. Yeah, I know exactly what school that is, and uh, mm-hmm. I've been down there. I've 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 talked to a lot of recruits from that school, so. Uh, yeah, man, yeah. we really appreciate the time, as always. You're awesome. We'll get you on soon, and, and I'm going to stick to that bet, man. That bet is, is embedded. You. You're going to fly up here. Hey, listen, I'll even take you out to dinner. If the Giants have a better record to the, than the Jets next year, I will take you out to a nice dinner and a Giants-Jets game. Okay. But what makes you think the Giants are going to have a better record than the Jets next year? Why is this a bet? Why, you know, why, because like, I think why the Jets are going to have a better record than the Giants no, next year. Why, why, like, why don't you just pay out this bet this summer? <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to go to a Giant-Jet game. There's only one Giant-Jet game every four years. So there you go. And I think it's next year. So that's, right. Pay, that's, right. So that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, whoever, so the bet is whoever have a better record at the time. At the game. time to the game, yes. Giants or Jets, if if the Giants have a better record, you got to take us to the Giants Jets game. If so it was week eight and we're five and two, yes, and and the Jets are, I got you. Yes, I got you. I four. Got you. If the Jets are four and four, four and four, yes, the Giants you. have the better record. I take you. I take you to the game. Now, if the Jets have the better record, you got to take me and Speedy and your son to the Giants Jets game, and and you're gonna you're gonna have to wear a hat or something. The only difference is, oh, is oh. that, that mm. you're going to have to probably pay for tickets. Mm. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't care. And by the way, you know I have press passes. So oh, okay. uh, so, so I might not have to pay for the p- tickets either. That's good. Well, that's good shit. Then no one <laughs> outside of the dinner. There you go. I'm going to take you to dinner no matter what. You guys come up here. Winner. How about this? Even if you have to pay for the tickets, I'll still take you out to dinner. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan to me. All right, there you go. 
There's the bet. Me and Brandon Jacobs, our bet lies to next year. Jets, Giants, whoever has the better record at the time they meet. Brandon, thank you. Tell your son, Braden, thank you for all the time. As always, we love you. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We were just talking... As we were just talking to two-time Super Bowl champion running back Brandon Jacobs, his son, big guy, man. Yep, he's big, man. <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I mean, sitting next to his father, six, six foot five and a half now. He's he like fifteen get it right. years old, man. He's he's bigger than his father. Yep, six foot six, man. I mean, anyways, <laughs> when we come back, we will be talking to twelve-year NFL linebacker Chris Draft. He's been waiting patiently. And we'll have them on here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy. PD. Remember, you can go and check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our Twitter. Twitter world Is it worldwide? At WWSRN underscore radio. There you go. I'm sorry. Underscore radio. You can also check out our Instagram, WWSRN underscore radio, and our Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio. Check out all our shows, live shows throughout the week from our Buffalo Bills show, our Jets show, our betting show, uh, our show. We're going to have so many new shows this year, so definitely stay tuned. And, and I want to thank Brandon Jacobs and uh, Braden Jacobs joining us, and now we have another guest who played in the NFL for 12 years. I, I love his story. We are now talking to 12-year NFL linebacker Chris Draft. Chris, what's up, man? Not much, man. I'm just listening to you guys jam with uh, with, with Brandon a little bit, <laughs> uh, and, and, and and giving love to uh, to Georgia since I, I live down here in Atlanta. Also, oh, good. So you can you can mm-hmm. hang out with Brandon and go check out his son, who's a behemoth. I heard he's like six foot six. 260 pounds. The kid's 15 years old. This guy's a five-star recruit. He, he, he's got Georgia looking at him. He's got Alabama looking at him. LSU looking at him. I mean, mm. it, it's ridiculous. These kids are getting looked at at 15. When you were playing in, in high school, were you getting looked at, at at the age of 15 years old? They, they, would, they would look at you. They mm. would look at you. But I, I think there's way more attention in terms of that looking now where you, know, you have more visibility of, of young people. So it's not just say some scouts that saw you or something like that, or there was a paper that saw it. Now people can see you on social media and they're like, holy crap, that dude really can play. <laughs> and you can see it all over the place. So if there was somebody amazing in Georgia, people in California can see him, people in Cali can see the folks in Jersey real easy versus just kind of speculating on how good are they. Mm. Well, uh, how are you and your family doing? We we haven't. We, this is the first time you've been on a show. COVID was going around for two years. How are you, you, you and your family doing from all of that craziness over the last couple of years? Well, you know, it, it definitely uh, created challenges in, in, in certain ways. But I, I think uh, with, with so many things, when you take a, a football mindset to uh, you know to a problem of uh, really looking more at the things that you can control rather than worrying about the things that you can it, it helps get you through and uh, so there was some real opportunities uh, with the cancer advocacy work that I do to to use technology and actually bring a community together that much you know that much greater uh, because I as I was going around before physically meeting people 
uh, so much of, of the issue was not that I physically met them, but I wanted them to meet everybody else. And I needed them to talk and build relationships consistently. And the only way that that could happen was through using technology. And even though I wanted it to happen, it, it, it only could happen when it was forced to happen. So, you know, that was a, that was a silver lining of, of, of cancer advocacy uh, by, you know, unfortunately with the pandemic. As everybody knows, we are talking to 12-year NFL linebacker Chris Draft. Yeah, so I was just going to ask you about your foundation. I, I know you've done a lot of re, uh, research and uh, different events with uh, with lung cancer, I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, again, um, wh- what have you what have you been able to accomplish, and some of the experiences you've had at doing all that throughout your foundation, and uh, what are, yeah. what stories have you been trying to promote to spread awareness? Awesome, man. You know. You know, it's crazy. We've been talking about trauma, man, you know, and really transition based on what happened to DeMar with the Buffalo Bills just on Monday night. And, you know, it's made it where not just that conversation, but really, you know, it's it's made it where a lot of guys that have been able, you know, we've been, you know, been able to talk about this trauma that's happened in their life. And I and I and I say that based on the fact that when someone asked about my transition out of the game. So I played 12 years, 13 was with uh, with the uh, Redskins at the time in training camp and got released. So I was at home and uh, in December of 2010, my my then girlfriend, my me, my future wife, got diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. She was in amazing shape, uh, you know, again, no history of smoking, challenging me to do P90X or run a 10K race. <laughs> I mean, she was this amazing, amazing shape. And out of nowhere, had a little shortness of breath, went into a primary care doc, and, and uh, they found, you know, through an x-ray, they found a mask in their left lung. And basically right after Christmas, so when you guys, you know, like Christmas time is totally different for me. And that, that the two days after Christmas in 2010 is when we confirmed that she had a mass in her lung and that it was lung cancer. Uh, you know, New Year's is no, you know, like the PET scan right after the, the New Year is knowing that it's stage four lung cancer. Uh, the other thing is then she passed on December 27th, 2011. And so, you know, these, these, these dates, uh, these holidays are, are really different. Uh, but also we got a chance to get married November 27th, 2011. That's really, you know, and that was, you know, 2011. That's all. And that's where our advocacy, the advocacy really was able to move forward. And that is when my, my wife came to me before that day and said, what if we don't get presents? What if we ask the our family and friends to support the foundation at that time as we create an initiative that is focused on changing the face of lung cancer and, and fighting for the lung cancer community. And so uh, it's, you know, in that vein that, you know, that I've continued the work that, that was started by my wife uh, with her commitment that really was a commitment to knowing that it takes a team to be able to make a difference. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because I know about team by being an NFL player. And, and so, so many people, they say, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I got to go get my team in alignment. And if we want to have a great team, we got to go find captains. And so the first year I went to 60 cancer centers to, to find those captains of the medical community. And then also at the same time, taking survivors to games to find our captains as it relates to our survivors and our advocates. Uh, you know, and, and getting a consensus that says if we want things to change, are we willing to stand up and fight for it? And so that's really been our mission of changing the face of lung cancer is letting people know that anyone can get it. Understanding that screening is an option for certain people. We need to max that out. Incidental nodules, we need to max that out. That there are treatment options that, that people are doing tremendously well on. And we need to make sure everybody that can benefit from it gets it. 
We need to think about access as it relates to clinical trials, the importance of research. And then more than anything, we just need to love people where they are and help guide them through this traumatic experience that's called cancer. We are talking to 12-year NFL ex-vet linebacker Chris Draft. And Chris, uh, fantastic what you're doing with everything, all the money that you're raising for cancer. And that's a, that's a crazy story. And, and the fact that your wife has gone through that and she's fine now, it's fantastic. Uh, no, so she, she no, she, I'm sorry on that. You know, oh. She passed December 27, oh, 2011. I'm, I'm sorry. So to, I'm it was sorry only, to hear it that. was only a year. It was, it was a year after her, her diagnosis. I'm she sorry to hear that, man. But we will say this, that she committed to understanding it will be a team. And I, I, I give you that based on how football mm-hmm. works is that when we commit and we know that something matters, right. we know it has to be greater. It has to live beyond any one particular player, you know? And so my wife was this amazing player, but mm-hmm. the, if, the NFL mindset reminds us that we can always lose somebody. Mm. We need to, you know, basically maximize the person while they're there, while they're willing to stand, as she was willing to do, but also acknowledge that they can, they can pass. Uh, but the movement has to continue. Well, I, I will tell you this. You're a strong man. And, and to go through what you went through and then, you know, come out of it and do what you're doing, uh, raising money for that uh, just amazing, um, you know, foundation. I, I give you a lot of credit. It's, it's a great story. Um, Thank you. let's get into your career and, and, and you had yeah. a very interesting career. You played, uh, 12 years. You played for a lot of different NFC teams. You played for Chicago, yeah. San Francisco, Atlanta, Carolina, St. Louis, and, and Washington. You did play for the Buffalo Bills. But uh, you were drafted by the Chicago Bears, and the Bears for years, they know how to draft linebackers. They really do. Uh, and we can go up and down the list of great running backs, that, I mean linebackers that they've had over the years. And running backs. And running backs, by the way. What was it like being drafted? Obviously, you were drafted sixth, in the sixth round, 157th overall. What was it like hearing your name uh, in 1998? Well, I... I it's it's exciting because it's finally here. I mean, it's 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 your dream to be able to play, and then in and then it's a reality. Uh, and it's the Chicago Bears. You know, the, the people that grew up across the street from me in Anaheim were from Chicago, and so uh, one of the guys was like my older brother. And so, even though I grew up in Anaheim, California, I knew the Chicago Bears. I knew the '85 Bears. I had to understand the importance of the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> you know, there was nobody better than sweetness. You know, if you talk to him, that was it. That, you know, Walter Payton is absolutely the man. But again, when you have a Bears fan, nobody can touch sweetness. So uh, being, you know, being drafted was, uh, it, it was real. Uh, but at the same time, it's not just being drafted because what that does is tell you where you're going to go live, but really more where you're going to go compete. And so, you know, it's this, you know, kind of, yes, it happened and I'm going to Chicago, but yes, I'm going to Chicago and I got to go compete because the only way to stay in Chicago is I got to go establish myself and go get it. And so I, I would say that that's, that's the hard part of that, you know, that, that transition is yes, it's a great thing. And that's what, you know, people talk about, but it's not a done thing. Because, you know, the greatness of the NFL is the competition. That's what makes the teams better. Brandon talked about iron sharpens iron. That's why he was taking his son to Buford, Georgia. Well, that is the NFL. Iron sharpens iron. And unfortunately, 
or fortunately, there's not enough space for everybody. Mm. So some people are going to stay and some people are going to leave. So you actually played in Carolina for a couple of years uh, with uh, with Thomas Davis, a guy that's battled a lot throughout his career too. He was a young player yep. when you when you were there. I think he was a rookie, fantastic linebacker. Who by was the way. yeah, fantastic yep. a guy that's gone through a lot. So what was he like as a as a teammate on and off of the field? And uh, so yeah, so TD was my rookie. You know, he won my rookie in, in two thousand five, and and uh, you know he's from Georgia, from Georgia. So he, he definitely was a you know Falcons fan growing up. And so the first mini camp, he he uh, he walked up on me, kind of you know, kind of came right to the side of me. He said, uh, Mr. Dre, you are my favorite player with the Falcons. <laughs> and uh, needless to say that I, I think I was about 29 at the time. If you want to feel old, uh, well, that's a good way to feel a little bit old. <laughs> that's what I'm Thomas, you just call me Chris, man. We'll, we'll be all right. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was amazing just to see him evolve. Uh, I mean, his, his athleticism just was undeniable. Um, and just his heart and grit that uh, that people were able to see uh, when he came back from injuries, and then uh, just his evolution as it relates to connecting with the community, where people got to see this passion for the game early, but then they got to see this the passion for community as he grew uh, as a Panther and as a Charger that culminated with him being the man of the year, and so. I mean, I can't, I can't be uh, more happy for him. I mean, he's he's done just tremendous work. He's, you know, he's been married for for a while now, kids, and just, I mean, really has, uh, you know, took advantage of being able to play the game, enjoy the game, and and really love the people that were around him while he was playing. Now, you you played for you know, prestige, you know, uh, I'm sorry, colleges, prestige NFL teams. You play for Chicago, San Francisco, even St. Louis was a, and Washington, there are four dominant teams over the years from the eighties and the nineties and and slowly moved up. And, and even when you played for Chicago and San Francisco, your, your longest stint was in Atlanta. And what was it like playing for four years in a place that you grew up? Well, not. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, well, you grew up in Anaheim, but where yeah, a lot I, so of the- I, grew, I grew up in California, but Atlanta's special, brother. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is, is absolutely special. So I, I, I grew up, and you know, unfortunately, most people don't want to understand. They don't want to know your other dreams. Right. So they they only can think of the dream of playing in the NFL and see that as something that is from way back. They've always wanted to be, you know, this <laughs> NFL player, but. Uh, for me, I've always wanted to do social change, uh, you know, so to be in Atlanta, the, the home of the civil rights movement, to be a, uh, to build a relationship with Dr. King's daughter, to get to know and speak mm-hmm. to civil rights leaders that walked with Dr. King, that, you know, that, you know, that knew him, that, you know, you can get firsthand, uh, you know, kind of conversations that they've had. Uh, it's amazing. Um, so. I, I would say it, it, it uh, it's special to play here in Atlanta and, and definitely to be able to play closer to home. That would have been great, but San Diego was the only place, you know, because the, there were no LA teams, <laughs> you know, at that time. Um, and that's the closest to Anaheim, but uh, it was also, you know, so I say, so it, Atlanta was great. I mean, and, and, and really at the end of the day, you got to go where they want. You got to go where you fit. Of course. And, they, you know, the Falcons had this amazing guy who had just knocked the crap out of people for a long time in Jesse Chuggle. And so I would, you know, I, 
I was never much taller than uh, I say six feet tall. Sometimes they tried to say five eleven. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be much bigger than two thirty five. Most of the time, I weighed in at two thirty two. So it was it was like if you want somebody taller, that's not me. If you want somebody bigger, that's not me. But if you want a guy that's going to give you everything, that's going to put fire, put all of this two thirty two on somebody, <laughs> that's what you'll get. And and for certain teams that. Maybe they didn't really get that, but for for Atlanta, when you have a guy like Jesse who had just absolutely brought the <laughs> brought the thunder or brought the hammer, mm. since that was his nickname, that's not a nickname that you can give to yourself. No. I mean, you can't say, "Man, oh man, I just hit somebody." I'm the hammer. All right, <laughs> you, you you can't do that. That is an earned nickname that only people that are that you know. What do they talk about on your wallet that says "bad mother" on it? <laughs> only somebody that has that kind of wallet can call themselves the hammer. And again, it's not that they call themselves that; it is somebody else said. You know who? You know what you are. You are hammer. <laughs> we are talking to twelve-year NFL linebacker Chris Drafton. Uh, let me let me ask you a question and. Dan Reeves was Dan Reeves was very respected around the league. One of the more respectable coaches uh, that you've heard over the years. You you got a chance to play for him and Michael Vick. You get to be a teammate for him for for a couple of years. What was it like playing with Michael Vick? And what was it like playing for you know Dan Reeves? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll start off with with, with Coach Reeves first and. Uh, you, you think of a guy that 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 really has a pedigree as it relates to the NFL, from you know being a, a player uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, and then you know being a coach, learning from a Tom Landry. You know Landry comes from that giant family that where he coached with Vince Lombardi, so you have this this great legacy that that he transitioned in the in the coaching of the Denver Broncos and the Giants, and then down to Atlanta. Uh, so I, I think you know, there was a huge amount of history uh, that he was able to bring, a huge amount of uh, of knowledge, and um, I guess you know again, so much of this game is about just knowing the history and, and being able to evolve because you have so much knowledge of what's happened before you. So I would I would say that definitely an old school guy uh, that got after it. I mean, the only draw, the only thing that I can say is that he was an offensive coordinator. And so the unfortunate part of being a defensive guy <laughs> on his teams was that, you know, how it works. If, if the defense had a good practice, uh, you know, especially as it relates to training camp was we're going against each other, uh, then it was never a good practice. Uh, the only way it was a good practice is if the offense had a good practice. So, it, you know, it would kind of create this little bit of tension, but uh, you know, football is all about tension. Right. So got to say that again, what an honor to be able to play under Dan Reese for four years. Uh, but but now I'll transition to Mike Vick. All right. You know, <laughs> Mike Vick, you know, we have a guy down here in Atlanta. There's a statue outside uh, of the State Farm Arena and, and Dominique Wilkins was called the human highlight <laughs> film. All right. And and, and I, I think you could basically put that name on Mike, on, on Vick. I mean, like that's. What people, when they showed up, and they showed up all around, so not just here in Atlanta, they, when everybody showed up to a game, they, they thought like most amazing, athletically gifted, you know, just 
ridiculous type people that I might see something <laughs> out here at the stadium and I'm going to see it. You are everybody watching. You're going to get at least a five second or 10 second delay, but I'm going to physically see it where I can say I was there <laughs> on the day that he ran in overtime in Minnesota. And he said, the game it's just over. <laughs> Let me hit that button, that burst button that says, you can't touch me. It's almost like MC Hammer is playing. You can't touch this as he's running. And the guys are saying, you know what? Dang, we can't. So that's what Mike, I mean, it, 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 at any time you can see something amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and he literally scared a lot of people, you know, because of his skill set. Uh, really made them question. I think when you, you talk about greatness, uh, there there's folks like Mike that just absolutely scared people. I, I'll I'll say that I had a my rookie year was Barry Sanders last year, and uh, as quiet as he is, you know, you talk about walk softly and carry a big stick. Well, that was that that is a, a, a Barry Sanders, and that he didn't have to say nothing, but he scared the absolute H E L L out of every <laughs> team that he played against, right? So Mike was more flashy in, in terms of his energy about it, uh, but a very similar type of feel that, oh, my goodness, I can't miss this game. I've got to be there because I want to be there when he does something ridiculous so I can say I was there when he did something ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure playing against him in Carolina when he went there wasn't fun either. <laughs> I mean, it adjust to that. Oh, well, I'll tell you this. We actually won three out of four games when I was with Carolina and, and – uh, you know, just <laughs> to be real, because I had played defense on Atlanta, and I told you that Coach Reeves was a an offensive coach, uh, and there was a little animosity as it relates to that. It meant that I, you know, we didn't go live often. So for for the Carolina Panthers, they were like, "Oh my goodness, we're going against the Falcons," <laughs> because uh, over the last five years we had beat them nine of the ten times. But for me, coming from the Falcons, I was like, "Yes." We get to play the Falcons. <laughs> now, so, I, I remember you totally guys, different mindset. Yeah, I remember you guys at 05, too, because as you as you see, I'm a Giants fan, and you guys shut us out in the playoffs that year, 23-0. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you guys went to the NFC Championship game. Very impressive year. So I, we were talking about a lot of the different players you played against. What about a team offense? Is there any team offense that, in particular, was tough to play against? Who would it be and why? Man, uh, the greatest show on turf, brother. The, mm. the, 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 when the Rams were rolling – uh, I mean, they had so many weapons. When, you, when you're looking at right now that uh, Kurt Warner's already in the Hall of Fame, Marshall Falk is already in the Hall of Fame, Isaac Bruce is already in the Hall of Fame, Torrey Holder's on his way to the Hall of Fame, Big O is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, come on, man. Right? Like, that's – what? <laughs> and then you throw in an Isaac Keem and a Ricky Prohl, and, yep. and now you've got this, this, this team that is just – I mean, when they were rolling, they were rolling, right? And so uh, I would say that they, as an offense, was probably the, the scariest group. Uh, again, especially when you put them on, you put them on turf uh, and, and you let them go to work. Uh, I, I would say probably the scariest duo on turf. Uh, yeah. One would be, you know, Randy Moss in terms of he would just put that – when he's in Minnesota, he'd throw that arm up <laughs> and Donovan McNabb or, or even Randall Cunningham early on. He said, just throw it. Mm. You know, you can't out, you can't out throw me. Just, just throw it. Mm. I'll go get it. Uh, and, you know, also, uh, 
I was I was thinking about because it was at the semifinals game between Ohio State and uh, and and Georgia. And, oh, really? Uh, Marvin Harrison Marvin Harrison Jr. was out there, and I was thinking about how one of the most impressive things I had seen while I was playing was Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison running, or Marvin Harrison running full speed routes before warmups with Peyton Manning. And I, I've shared that story with a number of, uh, of young quarterbacks and whatnot. My nephew's actually a quarterback. So they can really appreciate that as amazing as Peyton Manning was, that it's not without him just having a great relationship with his players where timing is not something that he just had because his dad played in the league and because he had been around so many people. But timing was because the trust of him and a Marvin Harrison where they would, where Marvin is running full speed routes before the game. So when they drop it down and that catch seems easy, it's because they put in the work to make that happen. Oh, he he had a lot of weapons too, Peyton Manning. He had Reggie Wayne and Edron James and uh, great offensive line too. I mean, Dallas Clark yeah. too. I mean, and 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 Peyton Manning, he was the he was the guy. He was uh, he was the quarterback. He was the captain on the field. But uh, you need good weapons. You need players. It, it wasn't just Peyton Manning. Even ask what makes Aaron Rodgers. And I, I'll say this: people forget how special Aaron Rodgers is, and you have to watch the game to understand. What he has to do week in and week out to get his team ready. He doesn't have a. a we were just talking to Brandon Jacobs, talking about obviously uh, Daniel Jones in the season he had. Go look who Aaron Rodgers was throwing to this year. I mean, his best wide receiver was ranked 142nd in all of the league. So just look at the numbers he was putting up, and and everybody says, "Oh, he's he, he's falling off. He's not the same quarterback." Two years, for two years, back-to-back years, he was the MVP. How after one year, he's not the star quarterback he was the year before? Yeah. I, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you you know, you play with these quarterbacks. It, it, it's just the, it's the problem of not going to Super Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. and then at times he just it just rubs people the wrong way. I, I would just say that that's, that's more what it is. I mean, he just rubs them, and, and, and so it might get in the way of, of really – Again, how amazing he is. The other side is that sometimes when people are just absolutely, you know, when they're just amazing players, that you get used to it, mm. right? And until somebody else is standing in that position, you really don't appreciate how good he is. You don't appreciate the touch that he has and his ability to, to throw a ball. Like, not much fall off at all. I mean, just understands the touch, you know, positioning, all of that. And then the relationship with, with, with the head coach, it seemed at first was going to just tear the team apart. All of a sudden, hold up, took it to another level. Hmm. Well, who's the best quarterback you ever played against and why? Man, that's a, that's a hard question again. I, again, I played against you know Tom Brady, played against Peyton Manning, um, played against Aaron Rodgers. Um, and so I, I, I guess, it, you know, again, that – that's a hard question because when you're talking about just quarterbacking, it is also part of a team, right? So definitely I would say Peyton was amazing. Uh, but again, nothing, you know, the, the greatness of them as quarterbacks of him and the Tom Brady are really what they can get out of their team and the team that they're a part of. So from their coaching and, uh, you know, and, and there's their whole system that's around them. So I would have to say definitely Tom, again, the greatest winning quarterback ever, Peyton Manning right there with them. And then what we again, what you've already saw, you, you, you know, with 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 Aaron Rodgers, his numbers and everything is ridiculous. Uh, again, I had the blessing of playing with a Steve Young with the 49ers. Again, you, you're splitting hairs in terms of who's just the the best, 
I mean, would you, you know, you could win with all of those guys. Mm. So I, I want to ask you this because you say you grew, you grew up in Southern California and uh, you played in St. Louis with the Rams too. So the Rams moving yep. to LA. So what was your reaction at the time? And have you think, how do you think the experiment has gone so far, obviously winning a Super Bowl and St. Louis too? Do you think they could get another team again? Uh, I don't know if St. Louis will get another team. Uh, I mean, it'll take a lot to be able to get that done. I mean, you know, the NFL is pretty stuck on the 32 because it, it, it evens things up. I mean, one of the greatest things that helped happen in this game was, you know, even it up at 32 and, 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 and cleaning up the NFC Central where you don't have Tampa Bay playing with Detroit and Chicago and Minnesota and, and Green Bay. Uh, so, uh, and even like the NFC West, the NFC West, when I first came in, was San Francisco, St. Louis, New Orleans. Atlanta and Carolina. That was the West, mm. right? With only really one West team. Uh, so um, that was the best thing in terms of being able to align. But uh, you know, when you talk about the Rams moving to moving to St. Louis, they actually moved when I went to Stanford. They that's when they left. So I wasn't at home when when they when they moved uh, to St. Louis. But what a great opportunity! Uh, I think you know too often the history of the game can be lost in the fact that we clean up history, right? So we clean up visuals so that people don't really get to see these old stadiums that are mixed-use stadiums, that are just not good football stadiums. And, you know, across the board, that's what it was. Uh, they, they don't realize that when I went to the Bears, that was the first year of Hallis Hall. And before Hallis Hall, Hallis Hall was at Lake Forest College, Right. Before Atlantic Health, it, it, where the Jets, the Jets are training, they're at Hofstra, mm. right? So that's the NFL that, this back in the day. So that when the Rams were in Anaheim, they their facility was at a, a at a an elementary school wow. that they had. It was a bad, you know, kind of a you know school that wasn't in use, and that's what they used as their facility. And uh, so their ability to go to St. Louis was that. You know, Georgia could actually cash out some of the money, but they gave them a facility. Mm. Like, it was an amazing facility, especially at that time, and continued to be a great facility. A football-only stadium, which <laughs> right now just doesn't seem like, oh, wow. But at that time, a football-only stadium without dirt on it, with, with great sight lines, and, you know, the fans is close inside. I mean, what? And then Georgia was from St. Louis, and so – it was natural that she would go back. But then, you know, if you say now in the transition, uh, it was, you know, with, with Stan Kroenke owning the team that, you know, he, he had to try to see, because he was a guy that's from Missouri. He tried to see, is this workable potentially to keep it? But the opportunity of coming back to L.A. and really him leading the comeback, which was always – you know, the problem with L.A. was that someone had the lead making the stadium. You know, they always try to put it on the city, always try to put it on somebody else to get it done. But when you got the money of a Stan Kroenke, right, it can get done. And so with that leadership, they have a comeback, and, and that stadium is just absolutely amazing so far. Got the Chargers up in there now, too, and, and really have just completely changed the game uh, and, and brought this – different feel to LA, you know, and it, it took a leader like Stan to be able to get that done. And he did. We are talking to 12 year NFL linebacker, Chris draft. Last question for us before we let you go. And we really appreciate your time as always, but 
Uh, one of our fans had uh, a question for you. John Suggs asks, uh, out of the teams Chris Draft uh, has been on, which was well, which was his memorable team he enjoyed playing for, and why is the Panthers? Why is what? What did he say? And why? Oh, because he's from Carolina, so he's saying, "Why is it the Panthers?" Uh, like, why? Why? Why is it the Panthers? So I, I'll I'll say that playing in Carolina, I gave you guys a history in saying this transition. Uh, so Carolina had the best field in the league for a long time. Now they put turf in, but it was grass. Jerry Richardson was a, a former former football player that recognized I want a great field for my guys. So it was it's like a putting green of a field. So again, not trying to slight any of the other teams, but when I was playing with the Niners, there was still a baseball field out there, you know, for part of the season. Not trying to slide it, but the you know, you know, at Soldier, the field was was thick and mm. and you know, again, not saying anything against the city because at, at, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's what we do on the field. And so I can say that playing on that field in Carolina was just, uh, I mean, I, I felt the difference on my body. And I would say even more so, I felt the difference on Tuesday, you know, the off day, uh, because the recovery from playing on grass all the time was, was totally different. So I, I absolutely enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed it as a small city that uh, my first year I – lived in an apartment right across the basically across the street from the stadium <laughs> where I actually walked home from games. And so That's there are not too many places where that could happen. Uh, the facility was actually at the stadium. So even that, you know, so, so many, there were so many opportunities of being able to engage in the Charlotte community. It was different in other places. Again, not that I didn't do it and absolutely love. So I can say I loved being in Chicago, San Fran, Atlanta, you know, St. Louis, Buffalo, Washington, loved it. Mm. It's just that they were different experiences. Yeah, Buffalo was cold. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, it's it's what it is. But the like people it. there are amazing. Yes. The Bills, Bills Mafia. Uh, you know, somebody asked me like, how, how do they deal with the fact that it's cold? And it's like, well, they just put some more clothes on, right? <laughs> I mean, they are ready for it. If you're a Buffalo fan, it's not like you're thinking, oh, we're just going to go in the dome. There's it's no dome, right? <laughs> The be a Bills fan is to look outside and see what the weather is and just dress accordingly and let's go get it. Yeah, yeah, but they warm up by slamming on the tables. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Uh, one more question for me: Who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year? Who do you have going to the Super Bowl this year? Man, that's that's a that, that's a, a great question. I, I would say, uh, I have to say, based on what's happened. Uh, how are, are my guys respond up in Buffalo uh, will be, you know, big. Uh, so I would have said Buffalo AFC. Uh, and, and right now, the way the 49ers are playing, uh, it, 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 both of them. I mean, the 49ers are bullied right now. I mean, they, they are absolutely, <laughs> you know, living up to that bang, bang, Niner gang, uh, you know, <laughs> mindset. They, they are bullying people. So you want to, you want I would to hear, say those two. You want to hear something, Chris? Before the season started, the two teams that I had going to the Super Bowl, San Francisco and the Buffalo Bills. So there you go. There you go. Before Look the season that. We're on the started. same page. Yeah. And that was before the season started. So 
Um, I, I just have the – and I stick with my teams. Everybody says, well, when the, when the playoffs come around, why don't you change your – I stick to what I had in the beginning of the season. If both those teams make it to the playoffs, I'm sticking with it. And I, I think it's going to be well, Buffalo and San Francisco. I mean, it, it makes sense. When you look at how the teams finish, finish the season, it, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, Buffalo was you know, a couple of seconds away from beating the Chiefs and, and, and rolling into the AFC Championship and being there. Uh, so they playing with a chip, you know, they had a chip on their shoulder from the beginning of the season. And then the same thing with the 49, 49ers. I mean, they lost the third game to the Rams, but they had beat them the two other times. So mm-hmm. uh, it was obvious that they are, you know, they are a great team that then upgraded by adding a Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> watch out. Well, we really appreciate everything, uh, all the time that you gave us, uh, the stories. Uh, by the way, we um, – I feel I feel bad. I, I thought your wife lived through that, but uh, um, I, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. Um, I didn't know the story, but uh, uh, fantastic stories with the foundations and, and, and the time that you put into your foundations. It, it's fantastic. You're a fantastic person. Keep up the good work. We'll get you on very, very soon. We really appreciate you, man. Awesome. You guys have a good one. Thank you, you too. Uh, we were just talking to 12-year NFL vet linebacker Chris Draft. I felt bad, yeah. you know, because I didn't know that. He, I thought his wife lived through it, you know, and um, I thank him for joining us. Yes. He was a fantastic interview. Yeah, he was. He was really, really good. Thank you to Brandon Jacobs. Two fantastic people. They really are. But I, uh, when he was speaking, I thought his wife survived, you know, and then it, it kind of threw me off. Yeah, when, it was 2011. He was saying that. Yeah, I, I, you know, and then uh, all of a sudden, you know, when I, when I, I was. I was like, wow, for, you know, I've heard stories that people, you know, when, when they're in the fourth stage, people have survived that. So uh, I, I apologize, but uh, Chris is a really, really nice guy. Yeah, he was great, fantastic. Great story, great person, great personality. Thank him. Thank you for joining us. And, and we want to get him on again. Tell him we would love to get him on again. He is fantastic. He really is. His stories and, and just who he is as a person, he was just great. I, it really is, and 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 John Sugg says, "Don't sleep on, don't sleep on the Bengals. Nobody's sleeping on the Bengals." No. And, and 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 going into the playoffs last year, everybody was sleeping on them. There's no way in hell any team. This is a team that hasn't lost since Thanksgiving. Halloween. Halloween. Halloween I'm sorry, they lost. Halloween. They got blown up by the Browns that night, and they haven't lost a game. They since. haven't lost a game since. And the offensive line that was one of the worst offensive lines in the first half became one of the better offensive lines in the second half. So uh, they've been great, and, and Joe Burrow is starting to feel it. Uh, Jamar Chase is back, and uh, Higgins is healthy. Boyd is healthy. Uh, they're Mixon's back, so they're they're at full strength. They have one of the best kickers in the world. I mean, they're going into the playoffs. They're going to go into the playoffs uh, with a lot of confidence. And by the way, uh, shout out to Ben. He's saying that the NFL is considering ruling the Bills and the Bengals game a no contest and using random numbers to generate to determine the seating. That's which is, that's bizarre. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I, that's what I said before. They should, could just call it a tie as it is and just play play out week 18 if again, if the players are able to and play out week 18. That's what I would do. I would call it a tie and yeah. then and whoever wins that game in in week 18 is going to get the number 1 seed anyways. Yeah. Because right now, even if the season the game doesn't play, who Kansas City have the best record right now? Well, yeah, technically they're a half game up on the Bills because the Bills didn't finish the game, and the Bengals didn't finish the game. The Bengals, if they if they would have beaten the Bills, they would have gone to twelve and four. And if the Chiefs lose last week and they win, they're the number one seed. And then if the Bills were to beat the Bengals, 
and then they would win out. They would beat the Patriots next week. They would have been the number one seed. So, yeah, there were a lot of factors in play with that. Yeah. So if they were to call it a tie, I mean, the seeding, would, I guess, would be up to it. I, I, it depends on, a, on the, how who many are the, games are going to be. Who are the Kansas City Chiefs playing? They're in the at the game? Raiders. Oh, God. They're going to win that game. Yeah. So, again, it, just, I guess there's no easy way to do it. I, I, yeah, doing a random seeding, maybe that could maybe that could be something. Because, yeah, you, I guess you never know what would have happened. Uh, and you definitely oh, have to I would bad. do a random seeding for the top three for teams. For those three teams, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's what Ben's saying. Like, they would, yeah, I, I would do that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre having. To do I it would flip a. Computer, I, I, well, yeah. you can't have three coins, but I would do a thing where obviously Kansas City has the best record. So you let you let the Bills and the Bengals flip a coin. Whoever lands on heads or tails will get the number two seed, and then uh, whoever then you have whoever wins that get to flip against the Chiefs, and whoever lands heads or tails will have the number one seat. That's what I okay. would do. Yes. That's what I would do. Yeah. In the olden days, what they did for college football is they flipped a coin. Yeah, the pre-BCS era. Yeah, yeah. they flipped a coin. That's uh-huh. what they did. So, I mean, generating – I mean, how are you going to generate a seating? I mean – Yeah, again, it would, a lot of this is going to depend on the timing of when and if these other games are actually Especially with the Chiefs. Made I mean, up, yeah. They're, they're, their numbers are ridiculous. I, I mean – if you look at the Bills and, and what the – the Bills have slowly but surely slid in that number one, number two spot all season long. And really since that Jets game, Josh Allen has not looked at as elite as he did in the first five or six games. You know, so that that would worry me going into the playoffs. But I still think the Bills uh, getting white back and getting at full strength almost until DeMar uh, Hamlin got hurt – I mean, they were at full strength defensively, except they lost Von Miller for the season. Yeah, but they they were playing at a, an elite level, and now all of a sudden, you, you see Hamlin go down. I don't. I, if anything, the Bills players are going to play for Hamlin. Yep. So to me, if you were to bet on a team that's going to get out of the AFC, I would bet on the Bills because uh, Demar Hamlin is was a leader of this team. One of the leaders of this team, and you could see that all the players loved him. Yeah, they really did love him. So I respect the fact that you know Diggs showing emotion and Josh Allen showing emotion. And I'm not saying that they're usually you try to stay composed until you go into the locker room and then. But the emotion, no, that, you can't in that time. Yeah, yeah, the emotion that these players had for this guy, and and throughout the league, it, it's remarkable, and it shows you. Uh, how close these players are than they were, you know, in the time, you know, in the 80s and the 70s when they hated each other, right. you know? Yeah, so. it's, ra- it's going to be a rallying point for the Bills especially, but all, even for the Bengals too, and even across the league. Like, yeah. a, lot of these, a lot of these players have connections. With, mainly the Buffalo Bills, because that was their the teammates. Bills, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they just lost, uh, you know, a fan favorite, a player that they loved, and you could see that they loved him, and, and a leader of that team. And, and believe it or not, I was reading a story that, uh, that secondary has said that Damar Hamlin was one of the leaders, the lead leaders yeah. of that secondary. Okay. So look at adversity wise, even before this, look at what he had to go through because Micah Hyde got hurt early in the season. He's out for the year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer has missed, missed some games on and off, and he's had to take on a huge role in that secondary. And that was before White came And he back, was playing so. well. And he played well. So yeah. he, like, he had already faced that kind of adversity. And now, again, hopefully he can recover. And I uh, hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it was very scary. He's still in critical condition. I'm, yeah. I'm reading it on the NFL, NFL.com right now. He's in critical condition. But uh, some of the doctors say that they, they've seen movement 
of his hands. Which so, is good, yeah. Which they... is good. So we'll see what happens. It, it's sad. I, I, I don't want to see a player, and as as you watch something like that on national TV, see a player pass away from that. That yeah. That's just... That's horrible. Yeah, so the update yesterday was 50% oxygen he's been breathing yeah. on for the last 24 hours mm-hmm. now. So the, he's improved in, in that sense, too. And like you said, if, if you saw movement, it's they definitely said a movement good sign. of fingers. And, again, the condition, from what we've heard from many different people, have improved. Yeah. His uncle said it, I think his brother, his agent. Like, There's so many people that have said his condition has improved. So that is a good sign for DeMar Hamlin, absolutely. All right, who do we have on the phone? The Beav. Beav, what's up, man? What's up, bro? How are you? We're good, man. I'm happy you oh. called. What would you like to talk about? No, first of all, throw some prayers to Darian Holland, um, Hamlin's our family and everything. Hopefully, you know, recovers and all that other good stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. But now, going forward, they're going to have to play this game. Not necessarily. Some... Yeah, well, he, 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 here's why. I'll tell you why. So, if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs win, they'll be 14-4, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the Bills win, they would be thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. Now, without playing that game, that's not fair to Buffalo because if they 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 beat Cincinnati, they could be fourteen and four also, and then they would have the tiebreaker over KC, and they would they would become the number one seed. It also might not be fair to Buffalo though, trying to make them play through all they're going through right now. Yeah, but they so. would, but they but they would go, but they would get them. They would get Bye. the first round by. Yes. And and so, that's why that's why the NFL is thinking. And if you if you heard what uh, our friend Ben said, the NFL is thinking about uh, what is it generating? Yeah, they're doing. They're going to do some kind of random generator, I guess, based on the win percentages. Yeah. Um, if let's say they they just try to go forward with the playoffs with the three teams that are there, the Chiefs, if, the Bengals. If that and happens, well, it would be I Buffalo. Think they should just they should just move everything back. They should just move everything back a week then. That's what I think it could happen too, and the NFLPA has definitely presented that as an option. So you have a week in between Super Bowl. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowl or skills competition or whatever the hell they're going to do with this crap. No, nobody cares about that. They could still do it and still have the Bengals so play the Bills. They could, they could, they, they could lead the Super Bowl the way it is, but you just won't have a, you won't have that extra week off. Which to me, you don't really, they, they don't need that. Like, so they could push everything back a week. Oh yeah, they, that's, really they could also they could also push it back a week and still have the the two weeks before the Super Bowl because it's probably I think where's it going Arizona it, this year it's going to be yeah, out over like, there anyways it, it, it's on February twelfth the Super Bowl so yeah, the, so they can push so it off. you can you can actually you can actually move everything back a week if you if you really need to so. Well, yeah, and again, it just depends because we don't know a lot about – until we know it's something definitive about his condition, we don't know how the Bills are going to be able to, to just function. So right now it's going to be very hard to be able to reschedule a game against a tough Bengals team as it is. And also, again, how much do they care about the seed and comparatively? They might, again, like we were saying earlier – Oh, I just, think they care. They just might no. take a tie and just go no, on. Then no, I, they can't, they can't. no, you can't do that. You can't do that at – Listen, players. I, what what happened to Hamlin is sad, and like I said, I hope the guy recovers. But at, at some point, you're going to have to resume football. And they, I agree with you, Beav, and 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 they might have to play the game out. Now, I I don't know what the NFL is going to do with this generating a win percentage. And to me, that's not that's not fair to, to the teams. It's not because who's who's to say the Bills would have won or lost? Who's to say the Bengals would have won or lost? You don't and, know. And, and that's why I think if the NFL is going to do that, they should have them flip a coin. Uh, I think that would be the best way. If if right now Kansas City ends the season with the better record, what I would do is I would have the Bills and the Bengals flip a coin. Whoever heads or tails, you let the the the, the team that has the biggest winning percentage f- call call it in the air. If it lands on heads, 
They're the second seed. Then well, they flip the coin with Kansas City and see well, who would be the first place. Well, well but here's, here's another place. issue that, that just popped out. I don't know if you heard of it. It just yeah. popped up on my sister's phone saying that they might move the Bills and Patriots game too now. Right. Uh, we yes. were saying the same thing at the beginning of the they show. They might move all the games, and yeah. they might skip this week and move it to next week. and. Yeah. And actually, maybe play two Thursday night football games. That would be smart for the NFL. And then yeah. play play more Saturday. You know, split the Saturday. You know, some of the Sunday games into Saturday and Sunday. Right. So you get the games. Out. Well, That's if they do, do that, then you're gonna, you're gonna have to push the playoffs back. That's what yeah, they are. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. I mean, this is. I feel so bad for Demar Hamlin. And oh, a hundred percent. I feel so bad bad for his family for it's, what is happening. Do you know that this this injury is like one out of two hundred and sixty four million? I think or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a freak accident, and it was a freak thing that that, that only happens once every out of two hundred four sixty million chances. And, and nobody and nobody knows if Demar had heart problems from that. Well, no. Well, well what they're also saying is that he got hit at the right time as the heart was retracting or something, if you get hit at the right time in the yeah. right spot, it causes your body to go into cardiac arrest. Well, mm. Yeah, not only that, I mean, they have the and, they have the armor under their, their jerseys and their and their pads and stuff. Yeah, but and there, but there still, are vulnerable it matter, spots. Yeah. You, you understand how hard these guys hit. These guys hit hard. Yeah. That, that it's, and like I said, you get hit at the right spot at the right time at the right moment, yes, it, it, it can happen, but it's yeah. a freak accident. Absolutely. It's a freak Probably. accident, and hopefully he gets through it. I yeah, hopefully, and I think well, he's shown signs of improvement, which is very, very yeah, good. Yeah, I was so. reading that somebody said that he, he his hand, his and, fingers were moving. Well, so. they they flipped them over onto his stomach, yes. so his lungs can breathe a little bit better. Yes. So, which is you know he he's in very good hands over there. So, so. yes, and and they probably has the best doctors in the world. And, well, they probably... had great doctors on the field, and you know yes. they they. They they reacted right away. As long as they don't have the Mets doctors, they're in good shape. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll trust the college interns. I'll trust the college interns at University of Cincinnati (laughs) in that hospital over the Mets doctors. If the Mets doctors were on the field, it would have been over. I mean, jeez, that's horrible to say. I'm not. I'm not saying it. I'm just. I'm being serious. I mean, how many times does the Mets doctors ruin ruin players? Saying, "Oh, he's okay. Put him back in the game." And his arm gets thrown out, or his his shoulder yeah. goes. So I I, I mean, I, I, it, it it depends on the doctors. I mean, Washington, the Washington football team, they've always had great doctors. One of the best doctors in the world, uh, uh, orthopedics, works for the Washington uh, football team. So yeah, the, some of these football teams have some of the best doctors in the world. Uh, but uh, I, I was not making a joke on the whole Demar Hamlin thing. I was making a no. joke with the doctors. Well, I'll uh, tell you, well, I, was really dis- I was really disgusted with the with Skip Bayless's tweet. Oh that yeah, was that was disgusting, egregious. That, I had to block him that, because of that. that well, what did that, Skip Bayless say? I don't, I didn't even hear it. What happened? He. Um, I have to go. Find Speedy will look. Now. Speedy will look it yeah, up. I'll right find now. it. I, I did block him. He got. A, he got a lot of heat, and Shannon Sharp was really mad at him. Also on air, he was going after Skip. And Skip was like, I'm not taking the tweet down, and I stand by what I said. And yeah, it was a whole big thing, and every, Skip got a lot of heat for this. Well, Skip, a lot uh, of heat. Stephen a., that's why Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless were so good together, is because both of them are just out of their minds. They go all no, over but the Skip, place. Skip got a lot of heat. He should have never said what he said. He was trying to make it more about the football game than about, you know, you know Hamlin being hurt and all this other stuff. Supposedly. Well, that's horrible because, it, it, to me, when, when you see an injury like that, significant and, and watching a person go down and stop breathing for almost five minutes. The fact yeah. that the fact that DeMar Hamlin, they got him breathing again is a remarkable story. Because oh, hundred percent. I, I mean, because when you're, when you're not breathing for over five minutes, 
you, you know, you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So I, that could cause so many problems, you know, when it comes to your body. And, and, and even, even if he does come out of this, he might never play football again. He probably won't. Oh, I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll play football again. There's no way he plays football again. You know, so it, it's, it's, it's sad, but. Um, I also think that uh, you know, with all the players and what the players, the the love that they showed on the field, it was remarkable. It was a, 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 a special sight to see um, all these players standing with one another. It doesn't matter who you're playing for, and even uh, you know the players that were not playing in the game. All the players around yeah. the NFL. So this is what Skip said. He goes, "No doubt, NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? What a question mark." Then he goes, this late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which is suddenly seems to, so irrelevant. How do you say something like that when the guy's laying on the freaking field? Yeah. I think Skip Bayless didn't mean it the way everybody is making him out to be mean yeah, or at disrespectful. That point, at that time, you do not, you do not write it. I agree with you. You should never. I Honestly, I, I don't post anything up significant on Twitter. As a matter of fact, I post up all our stuff and thank thank you to all my followers, 5,000, almost 5,200 followers. Thank you for following me. I don't really post up things that are going on in the games or any of that because I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that's going to hurt or piss somebody off. So yeah, then he, I keep he got it. So, he got so much heat for it, and then he came out with another tweet apologizing. Yeah, and he should. Yeah, and, and he it, did. And even, even that, even that, like, he Yeah, but it was too late. It was too late because he got so much heat for no, it. No, 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 yeah, as he should, because that was, again, it was really out of line, because there's not a single Bills player I'll, that I'll would care about seeding over lost, having their teammates. I lost all, res- I lost all respect for Skip Bell. I beat the guy's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I, I don't. Hate Skip Bayless. I I think some of the I didn't things I say hate him. I said I lost respect. Yeah, for him. I I think some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is outlandish. And so, same thing with me. I'll say outlandish stuff, but I won't say it to be crude or rude or you know trying to hurt somebody when I say it. It, it comes out wrong sometimes, and some people like Jeff. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Some people like Jeff like to attack me from it. But that's fine. That's that's what sports radio is all about. You want to attack me? I have to take it. I have to learn how to take it and 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 have you know tough skin. But when somebody says that you know throughout social media, you have to be able to back that up, and and you know that if you say something like that and you say it to the wrong people, you have millions of people following you. You know somebody is going to. Dislike oh, what like you, you said, say. He got so much. Everyone, everybody was backlash. He, and that's he got right. so much backlash. And that's so why much. I don't post things like that up on social media. You you will not see me go on Twitter and say, "Oh, f this guy," or "or this guy's a piece of garbage," or "this mm-hmm. uh, this reference." Because I know I'm going to get backlash one way or another. I don't have you know 1.8 million people following me on Twitter. No. I don't know how many people follow Twitter. Uh, but it's know, what he skip. said at the at the time. Yeah, as, you know, as right. the guy's laying on the ground and they're doing CPR on the guy, and this is what he says. Yeah, and right. by the way, and there's nobody caring about that in that moment. No, right. no, not one. But then you know, and then Shannon Sharp was ripping him apart the, the day after. So yeah. it, John, it was... John Sugg says, "Outlandish, like the Jets going to have a better record than the Giants next year." Here, here's <laughs> and I, you know, it's so funny. You make a joke like that. The Giants' schedule is going to be a lot harder next year. Yeah, AFC is NFC West. It's going to be a lot harder, John. I know you're a Giant fan. And guess what? The Jets' schedule, 
it's going to be a lot easier. It's probably the easiest in the last four years that the Jets are going to have it. Well, so, well now, well now, we're hearing that they might they keep Zach Wilson now. No, and I, I, listen, and I'm going to say this for all the Jet fans out there. Of course, the Jets are going to say that they don't no, it want. On, it was on. It was. I read it. I, I know. Adam Scheffner said it. Mm-hmm. Adam Scheffner said that doesn't mean that they're going to hold on to him. And even if they do, he's not starting next year. He's not. He's not no. starting next year for the New York Jets. He's probably going to wind up with Derek Carr. That's what you, that, that's what you're and I think that's what the Jets should do. They need to bring in a veteran quarterback that can win now for them. Have Zach Wilson sit the bench for next year, full next year. Let him learn the scheme. Let him know, learn the offense behind Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, whoever you bring in. Let him sit behind these guys. Let him learn the offense for what it is. And then... When you're ready to get him back on the field the year after, he'll be 25, 20, yeah, 25 years old. You put him on the field and you see what he has for one more year. And if he doesn't work, Robert Sala will be gone, and so will probably Joe Douglas. So I, and, that, and that's just the facts. But the season that the Jets have had and, and, and really some of the players that they drafted over the last couple of years is, is, is remarkable, but well, uh, mean- they fell short. The Jets should have made the playoffs. I mean, they, they lost games that they shouldn't have lost and whatever, but they, they should have been in the playoffs this year. Yes, and, 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 and I see that Jeff likes to post up things and be idiotic. And I, I respect Jeff as a person, but as, as a what, – what do they call that on social media? A troll. A troll. The guy is a complete <laughs> moron, okay? He, he is as dumb – he's as dumb as a wall, okay? Because a wall doesn't have a brain, okay? So uh, the wall has better brains than he does, okay? He, uh, an ape has a better brain than him, okay? He's just an idiot. And he, the things that he says and the outlandish things he posts on my social media, I, I just think he's stupid. But I, I'm not going to go any further than that, but mm-hmm. um, he's just dumb. And, and, and I don't care what he has to say. And by the way, just so you know, I'm not removing your messages, just so you know. I, I have somebody else removing your messages. So just so you know, my hands are free. It's not me. So there you go. Uh, so stop pointing your finger at me, Jeff, like I'm doing it. But, Beave, uh, I, I see that your Rangers uh, won the other day, and they're playing pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I was at the game. I was at the game last night. It was just a good game. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not happy with the way their defense is playing because they, they score a goal, they tie the game, and then – Five seconds later, they make a bonehead play, and then they, they're losing it. Yeah, one, so goal, one goal was 16 seconds. The other one was 29. So. They're, not, yeah, a good, well, they're yeah. not a good defensive roster. They really they're not. They're not, but they, they, they do have players that play. I mean, Miller's playing good. Fox is playing great good. great in that game, yeah. The, the, the thing that pisses me off is Lafreniere. The guy has not developed into what everyone thought he was going to be. Kako has developed into the player that everyone thought he was going to be. You, you think so? I, I mean, Capricock right is not now, having, Kako, he's having He's having a good season. You know, he's yes. having a good season. I, I, he, define good. I mean, what does he have? Six goals. I mean, I don't know, but he's playing. But what I'm saying though, he's playing the. This guy up. was his estimated. He, he, he's doing other things in the game. Right, that, but this that guy, you know what I mean? But this guy was estimated to be a 30, 35 goal scorer. In, okay, when, and he's still what? Twenty three years old, twenty four years old. Yeah, but he he's been in the league for four years, and he's been on the Rangers for. Four I know, years. but then but then the Rangers also have been, you know. This head coach, that head coach. I mean, it's you know it's different. You know, he's he's got to get used to everything. He's not. So. He has nine goals and nine assists. He's eighteen. Points. All right, so yeah, yeah I think he's, he's also he's spacing having, the ice a lot better and playing better. But defense, he's play, but so. he's playing. He's playing well. He's playing good with the on the lines. He's playing. 
He's playing better. Lafreniere looks lost. Guy and looks I, lost. I, I, I think he looks lost. And everybody tried to compare his skills to certain players, aka Sidney Crosby, oh, when he was drafted, which I thought was crazy. I never forget what you said. They, they should have never drafted him. They should have drafted a, drafted a defensive player. Yes. Over him. Yes. And and I think, and I think when you look at the Rangers in the position that they're in, the Rangers is still. In a very good position, they have some good offensive talent. They have a pretty yep. good farm system. Their, their farm system still is still really, really good. Yeah, so, they got they got they got some good players down there. So you know, defense. I, I defensively, I don't know. I mean, they brought all their good the good young defensemen up. Schneider, who looks like he's a Schneider's good player. played great this year. Yeah, yeah. he looks like yeah, a good player. Schneider has played really good. Fox is um, Fox, Fox has played yeah. unbelievable. Yes, and and. And Miller, who you know, he looks great in some games and looks bad in other games. He does, but you know, I'm not. I'm not worried about Miller. I'm more, the guy. I'm worried about is Lafreniere because the guy looks. He looks lost on the ice. Lost. Yeah, they had to healthy scratch him against the Lightning last week, and then they were considering doing it again uh, before the Hurricanes game too. But they kept him in, and hopefully they can get him. I mean, I don't. There, there's been cause... rumors by all these people saying the Lafreniere is going to be traded, and they're going to get Patrick Kane. I don't want Patrick Kane. They don't need Patrick Kane. Yeah, well, they yeah, the, they, the, they the Rangers have been in Patrick Kane trade rumors for six months now. So yeah, no, a lot they're of not going to go away. The Islanders are interested in Patrick Kane. But I, don't, I don't want him. I want. I want. The I want, Hurricanes are interested in Patrick Kane. I would <laughs> trade Lafreniere for a defenseman. Who would else? You, would Who you trade? Would you trade him for a center? Like uh, the Islanders were interested in Horvat. Would you I don't, trade I don't him for that kind need, of thing? I don't, I don't think they need a center. You have Trocheck uh, there, so you don't. You don't need. I a still, center. I'd still hold back on Horvat because even though he's one of the better players in the NHL and he's a good team leader and he's young, you're going to have to give up a significant boatload of players to get him. And to get who? I, to Horvat. Horvat, because he's a young, oh, one of the top five center that almost has thirty goals. Yeah, on. one of the top yeah, five yeah, players in the they, league. They don't need a center. They need a defenseman. That's what they need. Well, I think they do still need a center, but they, you're right. They might they might go after a third line, fourth line type center that is like a good face off guy. Like the Hurricanes have one with Paul Stassi. Like that'd be the perfect type of guy for the Rangers if they if they could get that type of yeah. But you know, center. their face off their face off hasn't been bad this year. They've been it's a lot been a better little better, but it's still a big weakness of the team. It's a big it, weakness, it, and when it, it comes is, down, when it comes down, how the Rangers is the defense. That's the biggest. It's problem. always been the big problem of, the, of their team. And, and, and I'm so sick of everyone blaming Shostakin because they, he's always getting hung out to dry. Because the Rangers turn over the puck in there, and and it just creates. Bad I don't situations. think. I don't think anybody believes it's all because of Shostakin. Oh, there's there's, there's, fan, there's Ranger fans. There are idiots out there who think Shostakin should be gone. It's lazy. They just want to blame the goalie, like no. people blame quarterbacks all the time. It's like sitting yeah, here well, and the Islander fans saying. It's Sorokin's fault right. when 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 the uh, the defense completely falls apart in front of him. I I mean the guy stands on his head in certain games. And, yeah, so does so does so does Shesterkin. I mean he makes great saves. Yeah, I I don't think it's Shesterkin. I I think it has a lot to do with their defense, and they have a lot of offensive defensive defensemen. If you remember the times of Brian Leach, they don't have guys like Jeff Bukaboom and and those type no. of guys anymore. No, well, no, Fox is a very good defenseman. Well, yeah, he's right. more of an offensive defenseman. He yeah, does but play no, but defense. He's... He does. He, he, he plays very good defense. But that's yes, the problem. Does. They have a lot of um, offensive defensemen. They don't have yeah, defensive plays, defensemen. He, Fox is a two-way player. He's, he's very good. I'm he's not saying Fox is one of the best players in the league. He is. But yeah. I'm not even talking about Fox. I'm talking about their all-around no, defense. No, but you're, I, I got it. But you're saying Fox is more of an offensive player, not a defensive player. I, he that's is. He's, he's definitely more. If, I, if you for the higher him, rankings of, of as offensive far as, defenseman versus defense. As far yeah. as what I see when it comes to plus minus, what you look at a defenseman, Adam Fox is more of an offensive defenseman. That doesn't mean he's not a good defenseman. He's a good defenseman. He's just more known for his offensive skills than his defensive skills. That's it. It's like 
same thing with Noah Dobson. He's more of an offensive defenseman. He's he's good defensively, but he's better offensively. I think, I think and then Al- you have then you have Pelic, who is a I know defensive defenseman. I, I get it. Pulak, a defensive defenseman. I still think Faust is is a great defenseman defensive wise. Also, so I'm told if you right now put some of the best defensive defensemen on the ice against Adam Fox, where do you rate him in a top ten of defensive defenseman? Like all defense, right? Just exclusively defense. Defense. Who, right. Where would you? Where would you put Fox? He would probably be in the, the 10 top to fifteen range. That's where he would be no, in ten fifteen. I think, he's, I think he's, he's definitely in top ten. I don't think so. I do. There's a lot of good defensive defense because there's there a, is. There's defense a lot that are aren't. They don't do much offensively at all. They're Pelic, really Adam Pelic. Yeah, Adam Pelic is a defenseman. Defenseman. That's what he is. Yeah, Pelic's a very good. He is yeah. a defenseman. That's what he is. He. Uh, Big body that, you know, gets in front of the puck. He's big, he's long, and he's going to hit you, and he's going to make sure that you stay outside of the hashes. That's what I'll, he does. I'll bring up Carolina because they just played the Rangers. Carolina, play Carolina. two really Jacob good Slavin yes. is the equivalent of that. Like, as yes. an offensive defenseman, he's probably not even top 50. No, he's but, not even close to Fox. But as a defensive defenseman, he's top 10. Yes, and, and, and that's what you have to look at. I don't know if Fox is a top 10. I, I would say top you – know, Speedy's right. Between 11 and 15, I would put Adam Fox as – but offensive defenseman, he's probably number one or number he's two. He's easily top three. Well, what, 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 didn't he win something? What did he win last year? He won, he won, he won the, the Norris Trophy in the short yeah, season. Yeah, he won the Norris yeah. Trophy in the, in the short season. But they yeah. give the Norris Trophy – to the, the, the offensive defenseman. That's what they give it to. They give it to the guy that gets like 50, 60 points, even though uh, you know he might not be the best defenseman. So that's what they give that award to. And, and Adam Fox had the most points out of any defenseman last year. Right. That's why he won it. I know, but go 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 watch him on the ice a little bit dude, more. You, I watch Adam, dude. I know him. I I know his family. I know he's from Wantawa. I I I I I watched the kid grow up. From high school, the kid's a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. And I remember when, I think it was Colorado that drafted him, right? I, was it Colorado? Yeah. It was the Flames. The Flames that the Flames. drafted him. And then they traded him to the Hurricanes. And he was Hurricanes a, traded him to the Rangers. And I think he was a second-round draft pick, right? Yeah, something like that. Late second, early third. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was a late. And, the, and, and John Davidson, that was the move that John Davidson made. He made the move I wish for, John. I wish John Davidson was still with us. He got a raw deal, man. He did, but you want to know something? He made some mistakes when he was the GM of the organization. Or president. He wasn't the GM. He was the president of the organization. John Davidson should be with the Rangers. But he's back with the uh, the, the um, Blue, Jackets. Uh, Blue Jackets. And uh, they're playing well, too. They're, they're, they're having a pretty decent season, too. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're obviously not in a playoff spot yet. But I, but. I 24 points. But... Actually, they they were playing well. They're not playing well. They were anymore. playing well last yeah. year. They're really underperforming this year. Yeah. No, they were playing well. early in the season. They were playing well. I haven't been really I mean, looking yeah, at the schedule. It's, it's like you're the ten. You know what? The only good. time I watch hockey right now is when the Islanders are playing. Uh, honestly, I I've watched the Rangers maybe a, three or four times this year. Uh, I watched every single game. Yeah, I watched the Devils a couple of times this year. I watched Carolina the, like once. Well, the Devils have been falling off. They, 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 that they was bound to happen. And I knew that was. I didn't happen. even know Columbus felt like that. Columbus was right. Uh, at one point, right under Washington, they were right there. Oh, well, yeah, because Washington was really bad at the beginning of the season. No, no but they were, I think they, yeah. I no, think no, they were right there, six and seven. Or I think like they that. lost a lot of games in a row. Yeah. I think, oh, hold on well, a second. In, in streak, they're two and eight in the yeah, last 10 games. That will do it. <laughs> that will do it. But at one point, Columbus was playing well. Uh, so, I, but I haven't really been in touch of what, what, I usually don't really look and, and start studying hockey until the second half of the season. And that's when I really, but they, and I, I, it's so close right now. The Metropolitan Division, it's like what the, well, the Rangers are in third place, I, one point behind the Devils right now. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it right now, only four points ahead of the sixth place Penguins. I mean, so. <laughs> the the Carolina Hurricanes, which everybody believed they were going to pull away, and they're going to pull away. It, it's really going to be between the Devils, the Rangers, the Washington Capitals, and the Islanders. I did the, I did and the Pittsburgh. Devils. Gonna, I think the Devils are going to fall. I mean, these these teams are they're neck and neck. They're two yeah. games out from each other. I mean, the well, Islanders. I still are, think the, the Rangers are going to make some kind of a trade. I know they they are. They so all are. They all are. If you're a playoff contender, the Devils will make a trade. They, they, they're going to go after the, the Devils should be able to make a trade. Easily. They have a great farm system. They have a lot of players in their farm mm. system that teams will want. So and they've got picks. Yeah. So. The only one. The only one that in that in that. Of those five teams, it might it might be harder for them to make a trade as Washington, just because they don't have a lot as much. I in their did farm hear system. that Quinn Hughes, if, if if Vancouver is willing to trade, he wants to go and play for the Devils. His of course, who's that? Quinn who's Hughes, that? Quinn Hughes, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Jack Hughes's brother, one of the better yeah, defensemen, yeah, one of the yeah, more underrated defensemen in the NHL. I mean, people don't realize how good he is. He got a I lot of money really, a couple I just of years really ago. Hope the Rangers don't pull that that trigger on Patrick Kane because I don't want him. I don't think they're getting Patrick Kane. And the Penguins I don't I don't think they're getting him either, but I just I just I just hope they don't pull that trigger. I really don't. And I by the way, John, uh I do believe the Penguins will be up there with these these four teams. It's gonna be neck and neck throughout the rest of the 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 season. I, I and there's so many games left. I think uh they're where are we at uh, with the games? Rangers right? have played thirty nine games, so they have forty three yeah. left. I, I mean, mean it's, they're, it's they're, ridiculous. They're, they're seven they're seven and two and one in their last yeah. eleven games. It's ridiculous games, it how many games they have left. I mean the Islanders have thirty they've they played thirty nine games, they have forty three games left. I mean all these teams they have so much hockey left. It's it's going to go back and forth and back and forth. And one of these teams are going to go on a 10-game winning streak or an 8-game winning streak. Right. Uh, Carolina's doing that right now. They're just playing Right, and the Devils flawless. did that at the beginning of the season. They're so, playing flawless yeah. high. They're 9-1 in the last 10 games. I mean, Carolina's been just unbeatable. And by the way, the Rangers beat them for the first time in like eight, oh, they, eight they, they, they were 9-0. Yeah, they were 9-0 so. until last night. Yeah. yeah, they've been playing great hockey. So. And then the, the Rangers played a very good game against Carolina last night. Yeah, man, great goaltending, and that's what you need. By by, by both goalies, but, you know, yeah. the, the better team won last night. So, Beef, thank you for calling, buddy. You got it, man. All right, good night, guys. Take care. Beef, we'll go over the the NFL and where everything is going to fall in the next couple in, in next couple of minutes. So uh, that was the beef. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least he has some a little little bit respect for me. I mean, there are other people, aka uh, Jeff from Tampa, who just has no respect. And uh, listen, I, I don't really care if Jeff likes me, loves me, or hates me. Okay, I, I really don't. I as a matter of fact. I would rather Jeff hate me. You know why? Because I'd rather have an enemy. But the things that he posts up on social media and stuff like that, that's uncalled for. That, that, that's not showing any. You want to call me out on something? You want to call me out because I said that hockey players could go 70 miles per hour? Okay. That, call me out on it. All right? Who cares? Who uh, cares? John also has a couple other questions, too. Uh, Hurricanes or Boston, you think, more dangerous? Boston. I would still say Boston right now, too. Uh, Hurricanes and Devils, probably the closest similar teams this year. And most surprising team, he thinks it's Buffalo. I would probably say the Devils for that. I, I think the Devils are the most surprising team, but I think they're going to fall off. They're already falling off. You have you have four teams trailing behind them by three points, two points, and one point. I mean, uh, the Rangers and Washington are trailing behind them. By one point, the Islanders are trailing by them by three. I, I, I mean, they have to play the Islanders. I think, I think two more or three more times. Uh, any, I think the Devils are going to fall off. I think yeah. it's really between Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and the Rangers and Washington. 
Uh, that's where it's going to lie. And I was very surprised because I thought Philadelphia was going to be the surprise team in in the Metropolitan Division. And and they still could. I mean, they have 35 points. It's not like they're far behind. (laughs) You want to talk about a team epitome of winning streaks. They had a 12-game win streak and then a 10-game lose streak. And then they just won three in a row. And they just won three in a row, so it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe they start picking up the game. And I I, I think their coach knows a little bit about that. So I, I, I think that could happen, but... Hockey is it's still early, and that's why we don't really speak hockey that much until the second half of the season. But we're not like WFAN or ESPN or any CBS. We talk hockey, so it's not like we don't know what we're speaking about. I I I know there's a lot of people that have their own opinions towards you know way some of these teams and how some of these teams are going to land or end up at the end of the season. But I I really the Metropolitan Division is probably the hardest division in hockey. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, because you already know what's going to happen in the Atlantic Division. It's already the, – the, it's it's really uh, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. They're going to be fighting for position. And the other teams are going to – honestly, none of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Buffalo is not going to make the playoffs. Detroit's not going to make the playoffs. Ottawa's not going to make the playoffs. Florida is, is having a terrible season. They're not going to make the playoffs, and Montreal is not making the playoffs. So. Yeah, funny thing about trading two of your top players and then making a coaching change for a guy that just won a President's Trophy. Good job, Panthers. <laughs> yes, and, and then in the in the Western Conference, we we all know what the better division, the best division, it, it, the second best division in all hockey is the Central Division. Oh, of course. I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And Colorado, everybody thought was just by far the best team in the NHL. They're not having a good season. They're not, but that doesn't mean that they can't get into the playoffs and just completely run the table. We, we, we know how good and how talented this team is. It's really the goaltending, and Kepler's not on the team. Uh, what was it, right, Kepler? Kepper. Kepler, I'm sorry. Kepler is not playing for them this year. They have uh, Georgiev. Georgiev, who's having a good season. He's played well, yeah. He's having a good season. He really is. He's having a better season than Shosturkin is this mm. year, but... Uh, that doesn't mean anything. It, you still have 43 games left. Anything could happen. But yeah. uh, it, it, I was very surprised when, when I look at the where the standings are. I couldn't believe Colorado's in fourth place. And again, I don't really watch hockey until the second half of the season. Right after the All-Star break is when I'm locked in with the NHL. And I will be watching every game uh, on TV at the NHL Network and everything like that. Uh, I have the, the NHL package. I'll watch every single NHL game. Right now, it's just really positioning, and these teams are now positioning on where they are. And by the All-Star break, you're going to see teams start to you know, figure out where, where they're going with the team, how they're going to make the trade, and how they're going to make their team better. Right. And, John, you were talking about surprise teams. Dallas being number one in the Central, definitely yeah, one of them. And I, but then Dallas see, has some good they're, young they're players. Good, they're a good team. I don't think anyone expected this good, especially since they just fired their coach. And then in the Pacific, you got Seattle, too, third place right now. <laughs> Dallas reminds me, and by the way, watch out for the St. Louis Blues because we all know what they do in the second half of the season. Okay, they start off the season really bad. I, I remember when they played the Island; Island just destroyed them. I think the Islanders scored five goals against them, and uh, they—I think they won in St. Louis too. The Islanders. Um, St. Louis is a good team. This is very well coached. Craig Berube is a very well-known, respectable hockey coach in the NHL. Uh, he won a Stanley Cup. This team has won a Stanley Cup. I, I was there when they won the Stanley Cup, so I was excited because they knocked off the Boston Bruins. But this team's dangerous. And I, watch out for Colorado, St. Louis. Nashville is another team that I think is a lot better than their record shows. Uh, those are the teams. Chicago stinks. 
as you know, right. the last two teams are, are rebuilding. So and I, I Chicago's so getting sense. as of right now, Chicago looks like they're getting the number one pick. I, I mean, if you look at where everybody is, yeah, twenty points, Oof. <laughs> and that's why they're thinking about trading Patrick Kane because right. this well, kid, yeah. because this kid who if if somehow and it's a lottery, you don't know if they're going to get the number one pick. Whoever gets the number one pick this year is going to get uh, uh, a game breaking player. Some people say. He's as talented or even more talented than Connor McDavid was when he was coming out of, uh, you know, junior hockey. Right. So this guy is special. Yeah. So, Yeah, John also says, I also thought the Ducks would be doing better than they are. I did, too, at the start of the year. I didn't. I, I knew the Ducks were – they were another rebuilding team. And I, I don't know. When you look at their roster, it, does anything stand it's all, out? It's all young at once. It was like the Kings yeah. last year. So yeah. we were uh, – but the week – Nothing really sticks out to being that week. Like, yeah. Yeah, Troy Terry, Troy Terry, and Trevor Zegras are the two. Uh, you know what a team I thought was going to have a better season? Saint, San Jose. I, I thought being going into the season, they have Carlson, who's by the way leads the NHL in all defenseman points. Yeah, uh, and he's probably a trade ship. And so is Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer, who I yeah. like very much for the Islanders. You should. Yes, that, he's a guy. Twenty-six that, year olds, he could score and he could hit. Yeah, that's that's the guy I want the Islanders to go mm-hmm. after. Is, Timo Meyer, a guy that can do all, everything, and he fits the Islander culture. He he can hit. You could put him with. He's fast for a guy his size, and by the way, he's mean, and that's what you need in in the playoffs. Mean players that can punish you in front of the net, and that's what he does. So I, that's the guy. If I if there's somebody I'd go after at the trade deadline, it would be Timo Meyer. I'm sure other teams will be interested in him, but uh, San Jose. I thought they were going to be better than they were this year, and Edmonton. Edmonton's going to sneak in. Somehow they're going to sneak in because they have two of the best players in the world on that team. And I, I don't even think you can argue that they're not the top four, two of the top four players in the world. Right. So, and I, I think Edmonton's going to have to figure out what they're going to do with those two players because they're not winning with them. Yeah. So if, if they're not winning with them, you got to trade one of them. You're going to keep Connor McDavid because he's the best player in the world. Uh, so you could get a boatload of picks, a boatload of players for uh, Drysaddle. Uh, I, I mean, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there will be teams lining up, giving you a bunch of great young players uh, and, and help you reconstruct your team. Yep. So it's something Edmonton needs to look at. Their goaltending is horrible. They don't have a good goaltender. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. They, they need to find one. Uh, they need to draft one. That's what they really need to do. Yeah, they got to hope that uh, their Jack Campbell turns into the first half of last year Jack Campbell. Otherwise, they're doomed. Man, Jack Campbell stinks. Yeah. I've no, never no, he's looking him. like second half Jack Campbell, the way he's played this year. Yeah, it's it, you know what's so interesting when you look at the the whole big picture. Uh, I I love the fact when you, when you look at the game and the transition of the game that the the goaltending the goaltenders are like no no smaller than six two. I mean, I, I've spoken to John Van Beesbrook. I, I tell this story all the time because yeah. Johnny always told me, uh, I've spoken to him like three times. He always told me that goaltending is really about size and agility now. It, it's not about uh, your ability to cut down angles. It's not your uh, ability of, you know, moving side to side. It's really size and agility. It, it, you, you, you position your body with your big body in front of the puck. It don't matter how fast you are with your skates and how good you are side to side because you take up most of the net. So it's different because the biggest goaltenders in a time that I watched hockey was, I don't know, who would play for the Whalers, uh, the Hartford Whalers. I forget his name. Oh, my 
God, find that out. Find the name, Speedy. Uh, goaltender, played for the Hartford Whalers. And then the Whalers obviously moved from Hartford. Burke, Sean Burks. I think Sean of, Burke, yeah. Yeah, Sean Burke. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he was a fantastic goaltender. But he was the biggest goaltender in the NHL. I mean, now you have... Yeah, like seven or eight guys that are six foot five, six foot six. Yeah, like Ben Bishop, I think was six foot six. Like that, that, that whole craze just started after that. Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky's huge. Vasilevsky's huge. Teammate with Bishop in Tampa, then he obviously took him over. And now he's the best goalie in the league. And Shostakin, like all these guys are just huge, huge guys. And there's not many of the. Henrik Lundqvist types that are a little smaller but have to be quicker and make it work. There's not many of them in the league anymore. Yeah, it, it, the game is transitioned. And, and even Van Biesburg said, it, it, like some of these young the teams are starting to look at, everybody talks about the size, the big players. They're looking for the small, speedy players now because the game of has course. become yeah. fast. Yeah. And you need speed. Speed sell speed wins and 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 a lot of these teams don't have enough of it it's a, a lot of these teams built around size and size doesn't do it anymore in the in the 90s it did i mean if you look at the st louis blues with brett hull and al mcginnis and and those guys size meant a lot now uh, you look at the game the the better teams in the nhl the carolina hurricanes how how who's the biggest player on that team i mean seriously six was he and cole last year but he's not there anymore, yeah so. I, I mean they don't have big players. They have speed. Right. And that's what wins now. Colorado, they're, they're speed. They're a fast team. Probably the fastest team in the NHL. Mm. So you win. Calgary over the years, fast team, fast organization. I don't know what they are this year. I mean, they're playing decent hockey. Right. They're, they're always one of those teams that do well one year and fall off the next. Yeah. And, and they're, they still can make it because it's a weak division. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not the same level. But, yeah, they're mostly a speed-oriented offense, too. Their defense, they got rid of Giordano and Brody, who were faster defensemen. Mm-hmm. Now their younger defensemen are kind of a little more physical, which is good for their standards of Daryl Sutter. But still, yeah, it's more of an offensive team with definitely some speed. Fantastic. It, it, the game is, is it's fun to watch. I, I think 90s hockey was better. <laughs> I, and that's coming from me who played hockey. I just The players were better in the 90s. That's just my opinion. I just thought they were. That's just my thought. Uh, Jim Harbaugh says he is likely to take an NFL job this offseason uh, if he's offered the right money and the right offer. Yep. I, I, I absolutely believe somebody's going to give him a lot of money. He is going to be the highest paid coach in NFL history. This offseason. And I I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is an all-time great coach because he he only coached in the NFL for, what, five four years, years? Four years. <laughs> I mean, not that long. And, and it was a very ugly fallout. So. Yes, but he did take a team to a Super Bowl, and he was one play away from winning a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, three straight NFC championships. Yes, they went to. I, I mean, he, he has proven that he can win in the NFL, and he took over a team that was – not a good 49ers team. When he took over that team, they were a last place team or a second to last place yeah, team. Yeah, they were they were a good defense up front, but they their secondary. And they didn't know how to coach that defense yeah. either. Yeah, and they had Frank Gore, they had Vernon Davis, they had a couple good pieces, but they never had a good team offense collectively. And then he went over there, and um, obviously uh, he changed the outcome and and uh, the vision of where that team was going. And it, it, the fallout did happen so fast, and. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy is is still, I believe, a very good coach, and I think he could coach in the NFL. I think he's a better coach in the NFL. His style works in the NFL better than it works in college. That's just my opinion. Whoever gets him. Now, if I was him, I'm hearing Carolina, mm-hmm. and I'm hearing the Broncos. I'm right. taking the Broncos job. 
I'm take, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to take the Broncos job. The Broncos, as much as everybody thinks Russell Wilson is washed up and he can't play anymore, this is the same guy for five years before this year was an elite quarterback, was one of the top five, top six quarterbacks at all of the NFL. Now all of a sudden, after one season, he fell off. There's a reason why he fell off. Nathaniel Hackett is one of them. All right. Number two, they didn't protect him. And number three, his wide receivers, as good as we thought they were going to be, hurt most of the year. really were hurt most of the year. And when they did play, they really weren't as good as we thought they were. And they lost their star running back early in the season yep. in Williams. Yeah, and it has to be stuck with Melvin Gordon, who probably fumbled seven times this year. <laughs> yeah. So if I was Jim Harbaugh, the Broncos' defense is still pretty good. I, I, I do not believe I do not know why they traded their best defensive player. They did get a first round draft pick. They lost a first round draft pick. Yeah. So they gained a first round draft pick. So maybe that would be appeasing to to a guy like Jim Harbaugh. But I don't know. Yeah, it's but a late what, first round pick. I don't know how much. It's what makes Jim Harbaugh so special is his attitude. He brings a a swagger to him. And it's not – everybody says, well, what did he do for Michigan? Michigan what, – what's going on? Ravens fire and hired Harbaugh at the same <laughs> – I love him. That would be funny. I snug is an idiot. But um, honestly, when, when you look at Jim Harbaugh, I don't know why he took that Wolverines job. Now, I know he wanted to win a national championship with a team that he played for and he grew up you know, rooting for. His father coached that team when he was a kid. His brother and him – you know, lived you know in that same area their whole lives. I understand that. But he should have stayed in the NFL. This is a guy that was not only one of the better coaches in the NFL, he was one of the elite coaches in the NFL. For a guy that four years went to three NFC title games and a Super Bowl and almost won a Super Bowl, that one play away, and had Colin Kaepernick as his quarterback. It, it, it was crazy when everything fell apart. And, and a lot of things fell apart. I, I think uh, a lot of these players, Patrick Willis, um, Bolin, Bolin the, yeah. these guys, they, they retired young. Right. And it, it affected you know, it f- affected the team and, and where the roster was. So I think after that happened, and, and he was behind Colin Kaepernick, I, I really believe Jim Harbaugh was behind Colin Kaepernick, I, I, I think that's what this, you know, possibly pushed him out. Yeah. I also wonder two things with Jim Harbaugh from the last time he coached to now. And Mm. the biggest thing is, does he have a good team culture thing with younger guys in comparison to maybe veteran players? I think he does. The Niners were mostly a veteran team when when it got to that point in the year. And when he first came in, they were still on the younger side. But again, they still had a a lot of older guys, like we said, Vernon Davis, Frank Gore, guys like that, that were those types of leaders. But... How has this experience taught him it was now a younger NFL? Here's another thing. Here's another thing that it would benefit an organization to bring him in. He knows college football. He's been there. He's been playing. He's been coaching with the Wolverines. He's been playing. Uh, in a, you know, he's been in a lead position as a coach playing college football. So he knows the college divisions and the players that are coming out of the draft. He can really help you decide on how to rebuild your team within the next year or two because he knows these players. He's right. played against these players or he's coached these players. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and yes, the Broncos right now, they, they really put themselves in a bad position bringing in Russell Wilson. 
but not necessarily because Russell Wilson could come back next year and put up great numbers. I don't believe Russell Wilson is as bad as he showed on the field this year. As a matter of fact, I think he's still a guy that can give you 4,000 yards, could still throw 30, yard, 30 touchdowns, and, and, and do everything what he what he's good at, moving inside and out of the pocket and making plays on the run. I think he can still do it. What bothers me about Russell Wilson this year is how he handled his team. When, when things were starting to fall apart, and, and this is the same thing that happened to uh, Wilson, Zach Wilson with the Jets. Now, Russell didn't say anything at the press conferences. He didn't throw his team under the bus. He didn't. He took responsibility. But it was the, his reaction on the bench that showed me not only that he was struggling, understanding what was going on inside and out, uh, out of the field, but also, you know, where these players, you know, how these players were thinking about him uh, offensively and how he was running the offense as, as the, the quarterback, the star quarterback that they decided to trade for in the offseason and pay him $250 million or whatever he got. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think that was the problem. And, and even the defensive players, they were pissed off at him. They were yelling at him on the sidelines. And his, he, had, he didn't really have much of a reaction to it. I mean, if he was a leader, if I was a leader, I would have went back at the defenseman, uh, defensive player that was yelling at me. I don't know, remember who it Mike was. Mike Pinnell. Mike, I would be yelling back at him. I would be like, who the hell are you? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a guy that won a Super Bowl. I was a Super Bowl. Wasn't he Super Bowl MVP? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a Super Bowl MVP. Malcolm Smith. Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. It was Malcolm Smith who, play, who played for Philadelphia for a little while. Yes, he did. But it, to me, this is a guy that took a team to a Super Bowl. Not once, but twice. And, and, and somebody like Pinnell telling and screaming at me, who the hell are you? I think if I was an offensive player on my team, and I, I saw my quarterback, quarterback went to bat from the, even how bad my team was, my offense was playing. I would be backing up. I would be. Uh, where was the offensive line when that was going on? Hmm. You know what I mean. So, I, I think that's something that you have to look at. And, and and I think bringing in a guy like Jim Harbaugh would clean it all up because Jimmy is not going to sit there and let anybody act like that on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You'd be the one yelling and screaming oh, yeah. on the sidelines. Oh, yeah, that's obvious. But the other two things that are interesting with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> from what he was coaching then and what he is coaching now. Yes. When you look at Michigan, like they were, he was a really a program builder. Like they didn't, they didn't really rely on the transfer portal like a massive amount compared to these other teams. And even when they first got to Michigan, like he was recruiting a lot on his own. He had to really develop, especially on defense, a lot of those defensive players. And you wonder if that kind of thing could be duplicated in the NFL. Not obviously the same way because you you can't recruit. You can't do transfer portal, but you can make trades and do draft picks too. And where would it end up happening? So if you're going to a team like the Panthers, that would be a guy that you would want to have a program builder for. A very young team as it is right now that needs that kind of thing. Now they tried it with Matt Rule. It didn't work so, because his ego got too much in the way. But you wonder if Jim Harbaugh, knowing that maybe he thinks his ego got too much in the way with the 49ers, the way it fell out, maybe might have learned from something like that. And that could be something that could change. The other thing, too, is the way his coaching system is and the offensive schemes that he has, too. 
can he adjust maybe halfway from his kind of more running identity at Michigan, the way he's done it with more power football to the spread offense of the NFL? Can he maybe have it somewhere in between where he could be an innovator in that sense too? And I know a team like the Panthers would definitely be able to look at that. And even the Broncos too, when you look at Javante Williams and even having Latavius Murray now and Russell Wilson, like having that running style, power running style still work to an extent, but also have those wide receivers there too. Jerry Judy, if they don't trade him, uh, Tim Patrick, they'll get back next year, too, if he goes over there. So it'll be interesting to see how the, he kind of learns from, I guess, that 2014 fallout with the 49ers, uses what he takes at Michigan and makes it work somewhere else. The Panthers would be the team for the team-building thing, and the Broncos would be one for, I guess, more win-now-type success because they're, they traded for Russell Wilson. Absolutely, and, and that's why I think Jim Harbaugh would be a better fit. Carolina's a rebuilding team. They don't even have a quarterback. Now, they're going to have a high draft pick this year, and I, I think a top 10 pick. It's right now, I think, seven. So yeah, so they right might now. be able to get uh, the kid from, um, who's the guy with the big arm that everybody keeps talking Lavis. about? Lavis. Maybe Lavis falls to them, and maybe Jim Harbaugh wants to coach Lavis. But Lavis, some people say, is a little raw, and it's going to take at least a few years to get him up to par to be a, a star quarterback in this league. But they think he has a tremendous amount of potential. So uh, we'll see. I, I think he's the best quarterback in this class, but what do I know? I mean, I watched C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud this year. I also watched uh, a young uh, Bryce Young for the last couple of years play. He's a good player. I, I, I'm interested to see, being that he's an Alabama quarterback, how he he will fare in the NFL. Most of them don't fare very well. Yep. So uh, – I I think he's the best out of all of them. I really do. I think Bryce yeah. Young has the most all overall talent out of all the ones we've seen come out of the draft after the last over the last couple of years. But we'll see. Yeah. And again, the, the, both Young and Levis have very similar seasons, too, where they both kind of had injury issues towards yes. the middle of the season that hurt them, too. So I don't know if they got their full potential shown off of that because, again, the teams are also trying to win themselves, too. Jameer yeah. Gibbs emerges a running back for Alabama because of that. And same kind of thing with Kentucky, where they had a stretch where their running game and their defense were carrying them. And then once Levis came back, he just wasn't the same right away. And the Kentucky as a team kind of fell off, too. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, if Harbaugh does go to the Panthers, he'll definitely have that choice. If he wants to build that program, up. Who is his quarterback? Georgia and TCU advance to the national championship game. I, I'm going to, I know after TCO, TCU beat the Wolverines, uh, I got attacked by Jeff uh, all over text message and throughout social media. I, I, I didn't think TCU had a chance. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I, I really didn't. I thought the Wolverines are the better team, the better coached team. I thought they were a better all-around defensive team. It was an all-out brawl. I mean, offensively, I mean, how many points were scored in that game? Over 90? It was uh, 96, yeah. 51-45. I, I mean, for a Michigan team that was one of the best in the country this year, to give up f over 50 points to TCU, shame on them. They didn't deserve to win. Yeah. And even if they won... I I don't know if Jim Harbaugh would have stand on the podium and actually bragged about winning that game. Yeah, especially with all the fundamental mistakes they made in the first half too, between the pick six, the special teams botch, that awful play call on fourth down. Like they had a lot of things that were just really self inflicted on themselves. It's a bad missed tackle. I watched bits yeah. and pieces of that game, and I I didn't get a chance to watch the game because I was working. Yeah, but I watched bits and pieces of the game. And it just TCU outplayed the Wolverines throughout the whole game from first to fourth. There was no chance in hell the Wolverines were going to win a game. Every time they started coming back in the game, 
TCU started putting it on them and putting it on them. And they were running the ball and throwing the ball. And it was just fantastic. And this is this is going to be fun to watch, Georgia and TCU, because nobody – I mean, TCU is a, a Cinderella team. Yes. Nobody would have thought TCU is going to a national championship game, especially where they're positioned, the division that they're in. Uh, the fact that they made it after losing uh, a big game at the end of the season – uh, a lot of people thought they were going to fall out. Alabama was going to be pushed in, or USC was still going to make it. But no, uh, yeah. TCU deserved it. And now they have a chance to go to a national championship game against Georgia where they're heavily favored. It would be an amazing story if TCU could come out and win this game on national television against a Georgia Bulldog team that's just, just completely dominant all season long. This is arguably... One of the better defensive teams we've seen in the last couple of years. Right. You can argue it was a little bit better than the team last year. And that, that's saying a lot when there was like, what, 15 players that were drafted in the top three rounds? Yeah, most of the front seven. Even some of the backups got drafted. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And the other thing, too, for, for TCU is they're coming off a game where they beat Michigan at their own strength, too. Yep. So they can they learned how to stop the run. So if they could do that with, with Kenny McIntosh in Georgia, that could give them a shot to try to make it a shootout game. Yep. Because I think even though Georgia won the shootout game with Ohio State, they didn't look as comfortable. Like, TCU is used to be playing in the shootout. Sonny Dyke's an offensive <laughs> coach. They have all those wide receiver talents that makes it that work there. Now, again, the Georgia secondary is still going to be tough, and that pass rush especially is still going to be tough. So they can't be as uh, bad on the offensive line as they were in the fourth quarter of that game against Michigan. But still... Still, that's going to be the advantage they have if they could find a way to stop the run. Because you're right, they're they're not playing with any pressure because they were eighth place. They were they were ranked eighth place out of the ten Big Ten teams, Big Big Twelve teams at the start of the year in the preseason polls. Like yeah. they're of all the kind of adversity. I mean, I knew they'd be better than that, but nobody. Every year be, they're good. Yeah, Every nobody year expected them to be this good right away, though. When you would consider got teams like Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they were supposed to be better at the start of the year. And then all of a sudden you see them in Kansas State in the, in the in the Big 12 championship game. They lose that game, but they overcome adversity. And they didn't make those fundamental mistakes like Michigan did. And that's what they're going to have to do to beat Georgia. Because it seems like they are very comfortable in a shootout as it is. And let me ask you a question. Why hasn't Sonny Dykes gotten an offer yet? I mean, this guy, year in and year out, this team is yeah. always... Uh, practically in the top ten. Well, yeah, they were long, he, he was long overdue for a Power 5 job, finally got it after after he brought that offense, that spread offense from SMU, yeah. carried it over, mm -hmm. and made it work in the Big 12, too, which, again, sometimes those transitions don't happen overnight, too. I, I think he deserves a, a top-end job. Why wasn't he offered Wisconsin? Right. Why wasn't he offered one of these big jobs that became available? Mm -hmm. And TCU, look at the division they're in. You know, I mean, there's nothing that really stands out to me. on, and, and that's why a lot of people were surprised that TCU was ranked as high as they were. Because look at the – and they beat three really good teams this year. Yeah. That's it. Three really good teams. The rest of their schedule wasn't – but those three games that they won were great wins. They weren't just – they, I think two out of the three, they dominated the game. Yeah, Oklahoma, they dominated the game, and Baylor and Oklahoma State both impact games. The Baylor, Baylor was uh, the Big 12 champions <laughs> last year and was able to dominate most of that game. The other thing you wonder, too, in terms of Sonny Dykes, too, with all those teams transferring out of the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, going to the SEC, and them getting a bunch of new teams in the Big 12, do they feel like they could dominate the Big 12, too, with that kind of thing? And maybe he thinks, all right, maybe then trying to take a – Big Ten program like Wisconsin where it might be harder to win, 
maybe I could build it's my money, legacy man. that way. It's money. And here's the other thing, too. Because he's a spread offense guy, does he think about potentially getting an NFL job down maybe. the road, too? It, it, that could happen. I think his scheme is very good. Uh, other teams, uh, NFL teams, will definitely look at Sonny Dykes uh, if he wants a job. Now, uh, remember when... Uh, TCU had no chance. Yeah, good good call. Thank you, Jeff. If you actually listened to what I had to say, you wouldn't be saying that. But that just shows you how much you're listening because your ears are waxed in. So whatever. Uh, I know, Ben, we'll get into baseball in just a few moments. But, uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia, TCU in a national title game. Uh, it would be a crazy thought that TCU comes out and knocks off the Georgia Bulldogs. Do I yeah. think it's going to happen? No. But – Again, I didn't think the Wolverines. I, I I didn't think that TCU had any chance against the Wolverines, and I, I thought it was going to be a ten or fourteen point loss. I didn't think it was going to be a twenty point loss, ten or fourteen points, and uh, uh, I I just thought it was a a pretty amazing thing to see TCU, and that's what you want to see. You want to see these Cinderella teams, and and now you have uh, twelve team, you know, uh, twelve team playoff, and I. We've never seen this before, so that's going to be interesting. How they're going to have the twelve, twelve team playoff and and how it's going to work next. It's next year, right? It's two years from two now. two years from now. So, uh, it it's going to be very interesting how the you know the NCAA does that, but mm-hmm. it it's it'll make it more interesting. And this is a good, the TCU is a great team to help that cause even more. Absolutely, especially if they win the championship. Yeah, too. it will definitely make a, make a statement. And and again, maybe. Sonny Dykes uh, is a name that people are going to be brought up in the NFL this year. I would say, I don't know about this year, but probably in like two or three years I could say it. Why not this year? There are a couple of teams that are going to be looking for coaches mm. and looking for a, a guy that has a different style of offense. Chip Kelly, I mean, he came into the NFL, didn't do so well, didn't pan well in the NFL, but maybe he, maybe Sonny Dykes is a better coach. Yeah, Maybe he knows how to coach these younger players or these uh, more veteran-like teams. So who knows? I, I don't know what they're thinking, but... Uh, very interesting. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reports he expects Carlos Correa's deal with the Mets to be dramatically different. Uh, I do, too. I don't know about dramatically. I would say an eight-year, $218 million contract. I would say that. I could see him making more on, you know, top-heavy. And as the, you know, as the years move forward in the eight years that he's going to play for the Mets— uh, he'll get less and less and less. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think. I think he'll probably make around thirty-five, thirty-four million a year for the first four years, and then at the back end he'll be making twenty-five. Yeah, like twenty-four. Yes, at that point. yes. Yeah. That's what I think they're going to do. Uh, I, I. He's not. I didn't think he. And and honestly, whatever the injuries are, I don't know, and I'm not going to say I know. But nobody's come out, which they're saying it could be a foot injury from when he was 19. Some people say it's a shoulder injury. Some people say it's a hip injury. Nobody knows exactly what kind of injury it is. But obviously it's significant when you're hearing the Giants back out of it. And now the, the Mets are trying to renegotiate the deal before they sign the contract with him. Which And by the way, Carl, wasn't Carlos Correa last week saying that he will not take less years and won't take less money? Now all of a sudden... One or the other. Like, he's not going to do both. So, but, he's, he's so now he's... I think he's bit his tongue. Yeah, and now at this point it seems like... Because nobody's going to give him that contract. Less years is basically inevitable at this point. So is Carlos Correa going to force his hand where he's going to get $32 million a year at this point? It seems very hard. Because the Mets are... I know the Mets are definitely, if they're going to give him bigger money than his average annual value was originally, are 
putting other incentives in the deal. Those haven't been revealed yet. Obviously, it, a lot of it will depend on what the injury actually is. Yep. So if the Mets are going to add three more incentives into that deal, in addition to uh, obviously other things that could go in a deal, like a no-trade clause uh-huh. or uh, up team option or whatever – there's going to be a lot that goes with it, and that maybe is where Ken Rosenthal saying the deal could be drastically different, where it ends up being like the split chunk, very unconventional deal. I, I think it's it's going to be around seven, eight-year deal. That That's where I think it's going to lie. There, there's no way they're going over seven, eight years, especially if this, this injury, The I believe that both teams, the Mets and the Giants, think that he's not going to last past five, six, seven years. They'll probably say, I would think that they... They'd say, listen, we want your best for the next four or five years, and then the last two or three years, good or not good, you'll be a DH, and if we can get anything out of you, we'll still pay you for it. That's really it. And and in eight years, he's, what, 27 years old right now? He's 29 right now. So there, So in eight years, he'll 37. be 37. He'll be at, at the, you know, the tail end of his career right. as a player, and – most players, you know, they retire between 37 and 39, and uh, they move on as a broadcaster or an analyst or a play-by-play guy. And Carlos Cray is good at that. He worked for – was he working for uh, uh, TBS for the, the playoffs or oh, something yeah, like that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was. So he, he's good, and I think he's got a good personality. He's got a good look, and I think – I think that's where he believes he his career is going to end up, like like Curtis Grandison did when he retired. Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's a fantastic. Analyst. He, he's yeah. great, and yeah. a lot of people thought he was very good with his words. He was a good personality, and and look what he's doing right now in the broadcasting world. He's doing very well for himself. I think the same with Carlos Correa, and I think he's very liked around the league, even though he's part of that. Uh, you know, organization that uh, <laughs> like to do things, you know, under illegally un- under the buckets, if you know <laughs> what I mean. But uh, yeah, <coughs> Rafael Devers and I, I was going to get to that. We were going to get the baseball. Rafael Devers uh, gets a 11 year, three hundred and thirty one million dollar contract. It was breaking news before the show. And I yep. told Speedy uh, 11 years, three hundred thirty one million. I'm not surprised. I'm really not. Um, I was talking, I was speaking to uh, a Boston Red Sox fan at my barber shop. He, he actually owns the barber shop and, and we were going back and forth. And I said, what do you, what do you think the big deal this off is going to be? He said, we need to sign Rafael Devers. We cannot let him go uh, to free agency next year. I think he's in a free agency yep. next year. Mm-hmm. So he, that's what he said. And, uh, the Red Sox obviously gave him arbitration, I think, a couple of days ago. Yeah, he gave him a $17 million arbitration two and, days ago. Yes, and and now two days later they give him 11-year, $331 million. He It's well-deserved. He's one of the top three, uh, I would say, third baseman in baseball. I mean, you can argue that. Offensively, he's right there. Yeah, he's one of the best pure hitters in baseball. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, as far as defensively, he's good. I, I don't know if he's Nolan Arenado or somebody like no, that. No, he's not that good, but he's improved from where he was. He's, he's good. Like, he's kind of like what Vlad Jr. was. When he <laughs> I came think up. he's a future first baseman. Yeah, for the he's kind of a lot like Vlad Jr. Like, he came up, he was not good defensively at all. They had to move him to DH because of that. And since then, he's just he's improved. And I think as a result, yeah, he probably will transition to first base. I think so, too. Years. Yeah. yeah. And I know the, the Red Sox have a star first baseman right now in the farm system. Yeah, Casas. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. so they'll have to decide what they're going to do with Rafael Devers because as you get older and, and, and Devers has a big body, uh, you get slower. So you're going to have to play another position. They they could put him in the outfield. Right. Um, we've seen that before, but I, I don't know. Right now he is their star third baseman, well-deserved contract. He is 
one of the better players in the league at his position. Um, young, too. Very young. I really young and durable. Yeah, so, he's 25, so. I think he yeah, is. So that, they're going to make it. They made it work for the 11 years, and they made it work because they Yeah, he'll be 36. Yeah, because they're going to be able to have a good plan of how to protect him, too, because especially if he does end up getting injured down the road. But, again, he's really durable throughout his career so far. They, don't spend, they haven't spent a lot of money, and they, they added some pieces. They did. And I, I, I like some of it. The Japanese kid. Who I I like to go to the Yankees left-handed. Toshida. Yeah, Toshida. I think he's going to be a good fit with the Red Sox. The, the Red Sox. I will say this about their GM over there. He is not no. He he's not a guy that's going to go out there and spend money, but he's going to go out there and and put the right guys around the right guys. Now they lost a, a very good shortstop. He goes to San Diego, um, but they they added a pretty good shortstop last year in the offseason. Yeah. So. I, I think where they're at and, and the way they're positioning themselves, I believe they're going to go heavily next year. And I know everybody says um, that things like Manny Machado will be available next year. I, I, I've heard that he wants to go back to the American League East. He, he, they're the best division in baseball. He wants to go back there. Besides, uh, we we know the Blue Jays are probably not going to pay him that. No, there's no way the Blue Jays are spending for anything. And, and Tampa's offense. not doing it. Baltimore is never about doing that, and I, I, even though I think it would be a great fit to play with the younger players, they have they're a not, ton of money. They should. They're not <laughs> going to do it. It's really the Yankees or the Red Sox, and and if if you would ask me where he'd go, it's probably the Red Sox. Even though he always wanted to be a Yankee, the Yankees just gave Aaron Judge three hundred and some three hundred and sixty million dollars, and they gave uh, Rendon uh, one hundred and sixty seven million. Now they have money coming off next year, which means they'll have openings. Uh, Josh Donaldson will not be on this roster next year. <laughs> He's making twenty five a year. Are they willing to pay um, Manny Machado forty million? Because that's what he's going to be asking oh, for. Yeah. He's going to be asking for. It. But again, he'll be older. I, I think next year he'd be what? 30, I think he's thirty two. Thirty two. So I don't know how much years he's going to get. He's going to probably get you know between six and seven years. But he's going to get a boatload of money up on the top in the front ends. Yeah. So because he's still an elite player. Right. And again, he's still been durable in his career <laughs> too, even when he was plus, with the Padres. Plus, you you just gave Rafael Devers that money. Uh, do you move Manny Machado or do you move Rafael Devers or do right. you trade your young first baseman and get somebody else? Uh, you know, a pitcher or uh, or a player, another elite player for him. Here's what the so. Red Sox could do too: keep. Story at second base, you could put Machado at shortstop too. And That's I forgot Devers about that. Third. Yes, Short, Machado can play shortstop. Yep. Yeah, that would be a good fit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Story defensively at shortstop hasn't been as good. I forgot so. Machado; it, yeah. he could play both positions. He actually came up as a as a shortstop, right? Didn't he? There, yes, because there was, but there was no room for him at the time because they had JJ Hardy at yes. the time. So they moved him to third, and then he played great defensively at third too. So they just kept him there. Yeah, he's one of the top three. Uh, you know, defensive yeah. f- uh, third baseman in all of baseball. So he, he kind of got lost in the shuffle because of that. But then when the when Tatis has been hurt a lot for the Padres, he's played some shortstop there too. So And then they moved Tatis to the outfield when he has come back at certain points as well because he's played well there and the versatility is just so good that it's going to make it valuable. I, I, th- I don't think Mike Trout would be a guy that they're going to bring in there. They have a GM that doesn't like to spend money like that. Now, they could give Monty Machado, the, like I said, Manny Machado makes a lot of sense. It really does because he wants to come back to the East, and the Red Sox can make a huge splash to really stick it to the Yankees and adding Manny Machado. Now, again, the Yankees are probably going to look at Manny Machado next year, but are they going to overpay for him? 
That's the question. The Red Sox, as we heard Jeff say that they're uh, what, what does he call poverty them now? Franchise. A poverty franchise, even though they bought you know team after team. I think the owner has like a ton of different teams now right. for a ton of different sports. I, I understand that, but I don't know about poverty. I think they'll if they they get the right guy, they'll they'll make the right move. I I, I disagree with them, but. I, it'll be interesting. I, I'll, I'm yeah, very interested. And at some point, the ownership is going to get in, too, because they love to spend money as it is. And they just yeah. have to do it where it wasn't so unreasonable all at once. Because remember, they had to trade all those players from their 2007 oh, championship yeah. team, Crawford, and or not championship team, the 2011 team that was supposed to be a big championship team. So with, the Dodgers. With Crawford. Yeah. yeah, they traded the end of Josh Beckett's Beck, contract, Beckett, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And they did all that. Then in 2015, they brought in Pablo Sandoval. That didn't work. They brought in uh, Rusny Castillo from Cuba. That didn't work. Like they had a bunch of things they had to pay off all at once. They were still paying some pitchers. I don't think they care about money. At some point, they have to like find a good balance with it all because they're not going to let Heim Bloom just be the Rays operating system the whole time in a big market like Boston. No, and that's why Devers got a three hundred and thirty-one million dollar contract. Right, and that's a pretty good contract. Eleven years. What what is he averaging out like? Uh, I would say I would say 31 31 you're getting one of the better players in the league for 31 million dollars yeah it's a little over 30 30.09 that's a good deal yeah that's a good deal I mean Aaron Judge is making he's 32 and he got a nine-year deal and he's making 40 40 million Uh, so uh, that's a great deal yep and if you would ask me who's better obviously Aaron Judge is a better player but of course Rafael Devers isn't far from him Mm -hmm. I mean he isn't I, I I would say Aaron Judge is one of the top five, top six players. Devers is a top eleven, top twelve player. Right. Judge is a little is more complete. Yeah. Devers is still a great. He's pure a lot hitter. older. Yeah. De- He's Judge, six years older. Devers is still a great pure hitter though, and still has a lot of power. It's interesting. It really is. Um, uh, you want to update the NFL picture right now? Or you want to yeah, do it tomorrow? We, we, we could just touch on it a little bit. So the way the way it works, obviously, we don't know when the games will be. I could just do it quickly. So the Patriots now move into the seventh seed yep. with their with their win against the Dolphins. They held on and won that. So right now they control. And their I'm path. hearing that Tua might not even play. Yeah. Like so Tua Tua. It definitely does not seem like he's going to play. Teddy Bridgewater also left that game, too. So will he play as well? Is another no, question. I and, don't think so either. And if that's the case, are they going to— The Dolphins are going to get eliminated. Yeah, the, so the Patriots still, even if they lose— By the way, they don't have a first-round draft pick. Yeah, so even if they, lo- if they lose to the Bills, if that game is even played, we'll see with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, if that's even played the way they, they schedule it. But even so, so they're right now in the seventh spot. Miami's 8-8, eight and eight, same record. So they'll have to win and hope New England loses. Or, again, if there's some kind of algorithm the NFL does with mm. that. That's really the last thing. Thing in the AFC and then the NFC. Well, actually, the Steelers still have a little bit of a chance, but it's still going to be hard. Um, and then the NFC, Seattle is right now in the spot, but the Packers have the best chance of controlling their own destiny because they just have to win and get in. Detroit needs a win and a Seattle loss. So the uh, the Rams, who they traded Stafford to, obviously not playing, but they're going to have to help out the Lions if they want to have any shot at getting in by beating Seattle. The game is in LA, though, so there's a chance of that. It's interesting because the Pittsburgh Steelers can make the playoffs. They can. They, they need. They would need both the Steelers and the or both the Patriots and the Dolphins to lose because. They can't them, lose. They're playing against one another. No, the, the Bills are playing the Patriots. Well, right. The Dolphins right. are playing the Jets. So the if both teams lose and the Steelers beat the Browns, then, then they'll the beat the Browns. The Steelers will beat the Browns. I if I were the Jets, I don't win on Sunday. And I'm just I'm speaking the truth. And and this has been a problem for the Jets over the years. They win the games that they shouldn't win. They're in position right now where if I think they're drafting at 13. If they lose this week, they could go all the way down to 9 or 8. 
and 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 that would be positioned. You know, they could be positioned if they want a quarterback. And somehow one of these quarterbacks fall to them, they can get them. So I I, I just I don't try to win this game this week. I I would try to lose. I would do everything I can to lose this game against the Dolphins. Well, yeah, the the Dolphins are going to have their own battles to come overcome with the quarterback injuries as it is. So if they do have to scar Skylar Thompson, the it's Jets be hard as should it is. lose this game. They really should, and and we've seen this. They they could have had a chance to get Trevor Lawrence, and they decided to win a game against the Rams, which screwed them. A and chance the Browns to, too. Yeah, yeah, it screwed them. both playoff teams. Yeah, they, they decided to beat them randomly. Yeah, they cannot win this game. Yeah, they cannot win this game. Their position in a you know in a place where they they could still move in the top ten when it comes to draft, mm. and that's what they want. Um, to be positioned because they're going to be a good team next year. They are. Their their roster's good, and they have a lot of players coming back from injury. So, and it's they're very young. I I still think they they need a quarterback, and and maybe one of these guys fall to them. One of these guys could fall, or maybe they move up if they're eighth or ninth, and they want to move up to five or six. I, I mean, you don't have to give up much for that. What do you what do you have to give up a, a second this year and a second next year to get them? Yeah, to get the guy that you want. Now the other thing, the other thing that's interesting too is if I'm just sa- saying if we were saying earlier it doesn't end up happening maybe they do push I understand Jeff none of them are falling but you never know and they do push the 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 week 18 games maybe another week or so that actually might help Miami get one of the quarterbacks back too and they're also going to get a couple defensive players from something I was reading with uh, one of the Dolphins uh, analysts on Twitter that a bi- essentially getting a bye week would really help them get healthy as well because yeah the Patriots have some injuries but they're not like they're not as key position injuries as what Miami is going through right now so it's going to be hard for them to be able to win with Skylar Thompson and a lot of offensive linemen out too. Teron Armstead's a little healthier, which helps would help them too. So the Jets probably have a better shot at losing if the bye week is, pushes it to like a two weeks from now. Or and Jeff, next week. Uh, Jeff, I'm not even saying they're going to fall. I, I again, I'm going. I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to what I said. If the Jets are drafting at nine or eight, you complete imbecile. If if they're drafting at nine or eight. It's easier for them to move up to get the guy that they want at 9 or 8 than at 12 or 13. Now, that's what I'm saying. Now, I'm just saying that maybe Levis falls. Maybe he does. Maybe there are other players that other, you know, the combine, they do very well at the combine. And they stand at the combine and they say, I want that guy. He's a top 10 talent. I want him over Levis. Levis is is still a guy that you're going to have to wait a couple of years to be your quarterback. That could happen. That could. You could say whatever you want. It could happen. We've seen this happen before. Josh Allen. Remember that? Yeah, it was 12 to 7. Yeah. Josh Allen. And I, I remember there were people, some people saying that there were teams interested in him at 3 right. and 4. Yeah, the Broncos almost drafted him at 5. They went with Chubb instead. And then the the Bills traded up with Tampa at 7 when going from 12. So, yeah, a team pick could realistically trade up with just having to do additional second and third round picks. They're not going to probably have to give up another first. Whatever. That's all I'm saying. And I don't really care what Jeff says. Uh, Jeff's an idiot. And uh, that's why he, um, he is who he is. But anyways, um, as far as the NFC is concerned, uh, Speedy, what do we got? I, now, the Cowboys could actually move as the number one seed. Yeah, the, the Cowboys would need a lot for the number one seed to happen. Obviously, The Vikings got, would have to lose. 
I don't know. The Vikings actually don't have to lose. The Niners oh, they have, have to the lose. the same record. Yeah, the Niners yeah. have to lose because Dallas has to win. The Dallas beat the Vikings. Right, because D- Dallas has to win, obviously, to get it, to get any shot at the number one seed. The Niners then, would have to lose, and the Eagles would have to the lose. The Eagles, well, yeah, and the Eagles would have to lose to the Giants. Now, the Giants, are, again, might, because they clinched the sixth seed, they can't move at all, might play some backups too. And Jalen Hurts could come back, especially, again, if the games are pushed. If the game is pushed another week, Jalen Hurts might be healthy by then. So the Eagles would probably get the one seed with Hurts being healthy if they could beat the Giants like they should. Now, Dallas against Washington, who's still been a tough team. They've struggled a little bit, but still are a tough team. They would have to beat as well. And then the Niners would have to lose against the Cardinals. So it's still a very unlikely scenario, but definitely possible. The Niners, again, if they if they win and the Eagles lose, and they, they could be the number one seed too, very uh-huh. easily. Where, again, again, not a likely scenario. But I think the, Giants, the Niners but... right now in the last couple of weeks have been the best team in yeah, the they NFC. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. In the NFC. And they have the best defense in all of football. Yep. So, and, and and the questions the questions I have for the the Niners in the next year or two, how are they going to keep all these defensive players? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing. And Joey Bosa, right? I mean, Nick Bosa is going to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He's had a fantastic year. I think he has like seventeen and a half sacks, yep. or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's coming for uh, he's coming for Alden Smith's twenty that he had a couple of years ago. That he had his second year in the league. So can he get there in the last game? We'll see. It's interesting. He he's a great young defensive lineman. He mm-hmm. really is. He's fun to watch. And that defense is fun to watch. They really are. They're dominant. And if that offense can put up the numbers and Purdy can keep doing what he's doing, he hasn't lost. If he keeps on doing yep. what he's doing, uh, they could be very dangerous. No, in the the, yeah, the Niners haven't lost since mid-October when they lost against the, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Alright, guys. That's it for our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Who do we have on tomorrow? This speedy? is this is Players Week. I was able to get a, yeah. a lot of old former players. Two guys we've had on the show before at 9.30. We'll have former Jets and Cowboys defensive tackle uh, Tony Casillas. He'll be joining us Tony, again. Yeah. Yep. And then at 10 o'clock, we will have uh, former Browns and Patriots cornerback, and uh, now running for a political office, Lee Bodden, who we had at the beginning. Oh, Lee's of last coming year. on. Yep. Good. Yeah, like he was Lee. running. Uh, yeah, he was running for an election uh, last time Good we had him on the show. Uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. So we'll find out how that ended up going from Mr. Bodden. Yeah. Well, I liked Lee. He, yes. Great stories. A good person. Good heart. And so. Uh, happy we have uh, we're gonna have uh, two ex NFL players yeah, on tomorrow. I'm amazed, like the, the players, like all, I, four of them in one week. It's it's it really is. It's the it's the new year, and yeah. they're available. And I I think that's that's the thing with Christmas and the holidays. They're all home. Yeah. Their the kids are home, so they're available. Yeah, we saw one of the kids tonight, um, Braden yeah. Jacobs. Braden Jacobs, who I I think is going to be a special player, and uh, me and uh, Brandon have. Uh, you know, I have a bet. So oh, yeah. let's we'll stick to it and uh, look at him rub the jersey. <laughs> yep. yep. That Why'd jersey that will on? be co- – it doesn't fit. Uh, it, it, I, I think bro- you should wear it. It was my brother Ryan's jersey when he was a kid. So, <laughs> you know, it, I, I actually I actually tested it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is going to work. What, do you look like a schoolboy? Well, no, it would be like so. Like it would be way too tight on me if I were to put it on. Yeah, you'd be like a schoolboy. I mean, yeah, I'd be like a, I'd be like a walking on stilts if I were doing that. Interesting. <laughs> Speedy on stilts. Well, yeah, that would be an unbalanced in itself. But, mm, yeah. Yes, you would be unbalanced. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back at 9 p.m. tomorrow. Hopefully we don't have Jeff bothering the hell out of me throughout the show and actually acts normal or be a normal person uh, like any normal person would be. But Jeff's not normal, so uh, that's it. But uh, maybe tomorrow he'll call the show and act like a normal person. Anyways, uh, thank you, obviously, to Brandon Jacobs and Braden Jacobs for joining us. And, obviously, Chris Draft, who was fantastic. Great interview. Fantastic. Chris is a really, really good guy and great speaker, too. Mm-hmm. Really good. 
with his words. So uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic, great, uh, great show, Speedy. It yes. really was. Uh, uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 9 p.m. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.